Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Listen to These Nerds is Pacific City Zeros. My name is Harry, and I am going to be running this, uh, shall we say, spooktacular session. And uh, joining me tonight, we have... Hi, my name is Chris, and tonight I'm going to be reprising the role of Brian the Beyonder! Hi, I'm Joe, and I'm going to be uh, playing Quintess. I am John. I'm going to be playing First Responder. Uh, and I'm Jonathan. I'm going to be playing, as always, Vic Adeus, a.k.a. The Liquidator. Okay. So, uh, it's been about a week since that whole Dr. Sound incident for most of you. Obviously, First Responder, you weren't there, so this that means that time frame for you just means it's been a couple, like, it's been a bit longer since any of you, since you've run into the Zeros. And uh, we're actually going to start with you. It is... Starting to get kind of into the sort of the middle of October. So, you know, the days are getting a little shorter, the night's a little darker, but it also means that the Halloween spirit is sort of slowly enroaching into people. You've seen the prerequisite spirit Halloween store uh, set up shop in an abandoned storefront in uh, nearby your uh, apartment. And uh, what are you doing this sort of... Uh, this one. I know you don't like Christmas very much, but how do you feel about Halloween? Oh, uh, First Responder loves Halloween. Mm. He, he is that old man who enjoys, like, uh, like, like, participating in, like, the haunted houses and, like, sitting, like, outside of a rickety old house with a bowl of candy mm. and, like, jumping a little when kids come to take the candy, you know? Ah, okay. So you're, you're really into this sort of thing. So I guess right now you're probably sort of, like, you're trying to look into, like, gigs that need volunteers, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I, he's also probably like planning out three or four Halloween costumes that he can quick change into. Ah, yes. That is the advantage of super speed. Yeah. Oh, no. so, so, so are you the entire haunted house on your own then? Uh, you, you just like no. chase children through the, your own house, like changing into different costumes. Uh, so I, I, first responder does live in an apartment, so he can't unfortunately create his own haunted house. Uh, I, well, I mean, think about it. The entire apartment's your haunted house. If you can go super speed, anytime a child walks by anything, you can just jump out as a skeleton. Yes. Um, uh, but yeah, no, he, he, like, he's definitely, like, you know, done the thing where the the kids think they've they've got away and they turn around and then there's another monster right there and it's also him. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, you're so you're kind of going through, like, local, like, the, like, maybe... Do you use a computer much? Like, is first, oh. how tech literate is First Responder? Yeah, like, moderately. Like, he's not, like, completely illiterate, but he, he's definitely, like, going to, like, every Spirit Halloween to like to like compare stock mm, yeah you know the advantage of time and distance not really mattering to, to yeah. shopping experience exactly you can get in early when there's still like full stuff on the shelves and really pick what you like yeah and also hide all the racist costumes somewhere where no one can find them <laughs> so uh yeah uh you've actually just come back from one of your little shopping excursions. You've got like a big bag of spirit Halloween stuff. Uh, as you come up off the elevator, uh, you actually notice that there is someone standing in front of your apartment door. Uh, you recognize the man. He's pretty recognizable. He's broad. He's got these thick, hairy arms, sort of like thick black hair. That's kind of like, uh, like sort of combed into place. Uh, this is... Mr. Patrovich, uh, your landlord. And uh, he's got like a, a plate in his hand and he's sort of come over to like your door and he's like knocking and waiting for an answer. Um, yeah, and he'll, uh, you know, mosey up towards the door and say, hey, 
Oh, uh, Lou, uh, uh, good to see you, good to see you. Um, sorry, I was uh, just making my rounds, uh, you know, reminding people that uh, the rent is due in about a week. Obviously, the Halloween spirit, uh, people get carried away. And, um, uh, well, I, um, see, my, my wife, uh, she made a, a lot of a baklava, she made a lot of uh, sweets for a, uh, a charity fundraiser that we were going to. Some such nonsense, I'm sure. But uh, she ended up making a little, and rather than going to waste or going to my waste, <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, wondering if you'd like to have some. And you see that on the plate, there's like uh, a various array of like uh lady fingers that look like witches fingers like sort of decorative halloween treats uh, basically but there is way more than would just be a little extra patrovich kind of does this a lot especially to you like he like you've seen him interact with other tenants and he's not nearly as friendly like professional sure but definitely like you realize that he's about old enough that he would have been pretty young, but he might have been around when you were heroing back in the heyday. And maybe you guys crossed paths then, but it's never really been like nobody said, like neither of you have ever mentioned it to each other. But yeah, Patrovich does this occasionally, just sort of levies treats and is a bit more lenient on you than other tenants. Ah, uh, well, you know, uh, I, I'm happy to help out, keep you, uh, <laughs> slim for your lady friend. <laughs> oh, I always know I can count on you, Lou. You're a good tenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, please, um, I'll let, I'll let you in. You, you have your hands full. And he, like, pulls the, the big ring of key, like, uh, a master key off, opens the door, like, lets you in, mm-hmm. and uh, sort of comes in with you and drops the tray and says, all right, there you go. Um, everything good with your apartment? Any issues, problems, anything like that? No, no. Everything's tip-top shape. I, You know, I, I'd let you know if something were uh, going wrong, something that I couldn't handle myself. Ah, perfect, perfect. Well, as you know, my, my door is always open. Uh, have a good night, Lou. Yeah, yeah, you too, you too. Yeah. <sighs> you you hear him close the door, and uh, then you hear him go over to the apartment next door, banging much more loudly on the door and just shouting, Rent is due in a week! Be warned! <laughs> I... <laughs> I, I thought maybe the rent thing was like an excuse, but it seems that the implication is that people here love Halloween so much they literally forget to pay their rent every year, which is amazing. No, Patrovich just does this. Okay, okay. Like, even for people that have set up direct deposit, he still goes around and reminds them. It's weird. Like muscle memory. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, as you're sort of um, setting down all of your, like, various costumes and sort of laying them out, um, you sort of check your phone and you realize that you have a voicemail. Oh, uh, yeah, he'll, you know, fiddle with it a little bit and uh, and then, yeah, answer the voicemail. All right, so you answer the voicemail and, uh, like, you know, after you go through the menu, you hear, uh, hi, uh, Lou, it's, uh, uh, it's Brent, Brent Ronsky. You remember me? Uh, You remember me? I I used to go by rescue. Um, listen, uh, this is... It's kind of awkward to say it, but I, uh, I'm, I'm in a bit of a bad spot. I was wondering if maybe you could help me out, you know, like, like in the old days. 
Uh, you mind? I don't want to talk about it over the phone, though, or leave a message like this. Do you mind if you come to the old operating theater? I don't know. Just call it a sense of nostalgia, I guess. I'll I'll be there tonight. I like I said, I, I'm in a pretty rough spot, but uh, if you can, that'd be great. And if you don't, well, I I understand. Uh, take care of yourself. And uh, the message ends. So I assume this is someone I knew pretty well from the. Yes. So rescue was someone that helped. That was sort of uh doing the hero stuff in the similar vein you did back in the day. Uh, his power was that he could put people into a kind of stasis that would prevent injuries from getting worse, but also prevent them from like healing naturally or by artificial means. So he was very good for like, you know, if somebody was suffering from a serious wound, he could stasis them and prevent them from bleeding out. Or in a triage situation, he was like useful for keeping people alive. But obvious, and so you two kind of work together in your your medical practice. Uh, I say medical practice, but uh, in that, yeah, when in, he in that he froze someone, and I got them to a real doctor. Exactly. <laughs> uh, when he says the old operating room, uh, what he means is. Back in the day, since you were kind of doing stuff under the directorate's nose, uh, you didn't always have the luxury of taking people to hospitals. So in a pinch, it turns out things that work really well as like impromptu um, like operating theaters are like old train cars, like specifically ones that have been cleaned out because you can sterilize them fairly quickly. They're usually pretty isolated, so you can, and they're large enough that you could keep a lot of supplies on hand that would help with the process, like local anesthetic or, you know, gauze or anything like that. So when he says, meet him by the old um, operating theater, he means to meet him at the train yard, basically. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. I mean, that's what, like a short jog? Oh yeah, for you, it's nothing. Like even getting to the train yard, like, you know, it's got like the, the standard fence with barbed wire, but you know, you can clear that pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll definitely go. All right, so you're kind of looking around the train car, like you're sort of like you go to the train yard. It's obviously, you know, it's it's later in the evening, so there's not any freight moving, so you don't have to worry about moving trains or anything like that. As you're kind of looking around, is something that's been bothering you on the jog over, like this this thing on the tip of your tongue that you you can't quite remember something about Brent, but every time you like um like think you're it's coming to you, it always like hugs into the back. Background. And it's been kind of gnawing at you, like, ever since you, like, uh, like, ever since you got the, the voicemail. Uh, but then it's sort of, like, intercut by Brent's voice. You hear him say, oh, hey, Lou, over here. And he waves you down uh, to uh, a train car that he's kind of propped the door open on. And he's kind of, like, standing inside and he sort of, like, waves you down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I mean, Lou will just head in. Yeah. So, you know, he comes up. It's like, ah. Lou, uh, thanks for coming. And he, like, hoists you up into the train car. And as you step into the train car, you realize Lou is not the only one here. There's another person just kind of standing in the corner. Not exactly in the corner, but just sort of standing in the train car. Mm-hmm. You and, uh, gonna introduce me to your friend here? Ah, uh, I, I, I think you do the introductions yourself. And he kind of gestures over to them. Do you yeah. walk over? Yeah. So as you walk over, 
you like turn to finally see this person's face and you see that it is frozen in fear like eyes wide mouth open this person is clearly terrified and then all of a sudden or you hear um brent say i'm sorry lou i wouldn't do this or he would do this but i am so hungry and at that you suddenly feel the world fall away from you and we will come back to you in just a second so <laughs> quintess very 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 chill pre-halloween hang with the boys yeah you know uh, uh so Vinny did come through he has put you in contact with the uh used bookseller or the bookstore owner that he told you about but great. other than that uh sorry go up we continue oh yeah no just uh quintess would probably be excited to talk to the person yeah um, um so yeah he uh he basically tells you that it's a place called prusini's books um you've seen it before actually it is like you've always wanted to go in there but you see it's a barely cramped store and it's also on like a really busy thoroughfare and so like the risk calculation of trying to get in there with one of your disguises just never worked out but uh yeah Vinny's directions are to uh just head to the back uh and knock on the door and the giovanni should be there to help you out all right uh quintess is wearing the classic uh reflective vest and hard hat with a clipboard and <laughs> it's going to tap on the back of the door all right so opening the door uh you see a man probably in his you'd guess like 60s sort of like full head of gray hair that's sort of been swept back uh sort of salt and pepper beard uh kind of imagine like a like most interesting man in the world look and you're probably like 90 percent there mm -hmm. uh but he's wearing like a flat cap and uh like a smoker's jacket and a pair of slippers and he kind of opens the door and like immediately looks at you and he just sort of goes huh well vincent did tell me that you would be uh noticeable uh quintess i take it uh it, it, yes um Sorry, I, I didn't, uh, I, I like to make sure that, uh, I have a, um, uh, pl plausible deniability. <laughs> <laughs> Don't And with that, she, she's gonna take the, the hard hat and the vest off and put the clipboard down beside the dumpster. Yeah. Oh, then... well, don't mind, I don't mind. I understand the need for uh, discretion. Uh, but please, come in, come in. Uh, I am uh, Giovanni, but uh, friends can call me uh, Gio. Oh, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Giovanni. Uh, uh, um, uh, any, anyway, uh, then Quintess will just follow him in. Yeah. Uh, so coming into this bookstore, it is very much like the the used bookstore that you'd imagine, like wall to wall shelves, like crammed full of stuff to like, you know, all different genres, all different types. Uh, but you see that the bookstore actually does go down into a basement. And so Giovanni is like, ah, most of this upstairs will be your uh, fiction. Downstairs, I keep most of the nonfiction and reference materials. Uh, well, uh, and if you're a friend of Vinny's, you're a friend of mine. Vincent's, you're a friend of mine. Uh, so feel free to bring up whatever you'd like and it'll uh, uh, go on his tab, so to speak. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right. Uh, Quintess is going to just go. She's going to start in the fiction section mm -hmm. um, and then work her way to uh, ancient history. All right. So working your way around, you notice that this bookstore is like stacked with stuff, right? Like you've got uh, like several books of like first printings. 
You've got several books, like, before the author got famous and they wrote under a pen name ones. You're pretty certain you've seen, uh, like, a copy of a book that you thought was, like, taken out of publication several years back. Like, this place is chock full of stuff. And, like, that's just the fiction section. As you get down into the non-fiction section, like, there are books that you would, like, rewritings of famous people's diaries, uh, copies of, like, ancient maps. Like, this place has got way more that you possibly imagined like a used bookstore would have. Alright, well, uh, first things first, she just grabbed some, uh, the third, fourth, fifth, eighth, thirteenth of the series she was reading when she couldn't get the book, the, uh, the, the gap books. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just like, silently to herself, finally find out who Vincent's half-brother is. He, they introduced him and he died in the same book. <laughs> and yet somehow he's an extremely important character, I've been told. Well, he's really important in the thirteenth book, which I also have read so yeah that one's entirely flashbacks yeah uh the writer wrote that one actually for the movie um <laughs> anyway uh so yeah she'll grab all of those and then she's gonna head to the uh rare antique book section specifically the history mm. try to so quintess's love of books is partially because she's bored and doesn't and has on and off electricity um yeah in her. but also she is doing research to try to figure out what the fuck is going on with the the weird idol she touched so she's yes. gonna be looking through ancient history stuff um probably start with sumerian and work her way forward yeah and like i said this is a pretty extensive collection just for sale like mm -hmm. you're talking copies of books that like the originals are should be things in museums effectively they're just copies obviously but still it's pretty impressive that they just ended up at this bookstore the other thing you kind of notice as you're sort of walking around the shelves is that the store itself is like silent like not even library quiet where like you occasionally hear someone like coughing or like the furnace turn on like it is quiet quiet like the only time you actually hear noise is when you are moving about in the store and you realize pretty quickly that you can't even hear giovanni breathing EP. that's so internally quintess is like that's unsettling and then she thinks well that's a that's a little then she looks at herself and she's like oh, that's a little unfair actually <laughs> uh, quintess is uh uh bar for what's weird is significantly uh more Lower than, uh, than yeah, or higher yeah, than yeah. most people yeah she just is uh uh, she's like, oh, well, you know, maybe just like things quiet, maybe they're soundproofing. She's going to keep walking around. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, she's going to actually go uh, check out Giovanni and see what the, um, uh, let's just say like she, there's like a time period or something specifically she needs looking for uh, mm. in the big pile. So she's going to head over to the desk, see what's up. Yep. Giovanni is uh, sitting at the table. He has this very large book in front of him. Um, he is reading it. You can't make out the language, but you are are an anthropology student so you've seen a lot of like ancient text like in pictures or in displays and you know what vellum looks like and you can definitely tell that the book he's reading wasn't bound in paper it's bound in vellum oh which, okay which makes it incredibly old yeah oh um oh uh, yes is there something you need i was just well i i, I was looking um through the ancient greek uh and it's mixed with the roman section and i, I mean i i get i get it but uh i was just wondering if there was any um well you know like there's there are a bit beside the ottoman stuff so i was wondering if there's some mixing going on there too and um, there's a specific book i'm looking for about uh stone carving methods and wow that is a beautiful book oh you like it i uh recently acquired it 
with the help of Vincent. It's the reason why I appreciate his business so much. Is that Vellum? And when you when you say that, he kind of like cocks an eyebrow at you and says, Ah, you have a good eye. Yes, I'd wager it to be about uh, maybe 12th century. Wow, I think it's in such good condition. Ah, well, things that are taken care of tend to last a lot longer. There's museums with all of their fancy tricks. But nothing beats good old-fashioned care like a good bookkeeper. Yeah, I can tell that they've used pumice on this. You can see the micro-abrasions around the edges. Oh, oh, okay. are you a historian by trade? Oh, uh, well, um, anthropology more, but, uh, you know, a little bit of um, paracausal science on the edge. Uh, anyway, uh, but, um, yeah, um, anyway, so I, I should get back to the to the sections. Yes. Um, uh, to answer your question, stone carving down the stairs, obviously, uh, you should find it in the hobbies section. I know the organization's a little bit of a mess, but if there's anything to do with any sort of hobby, even Histora, unless it's a historical reference specifically to a time period, it usually ends up in the hobby section. Oh, okay. Uh, excellent. Wonderful. Thank you. Yep. All right. And yeah, again, show like... Show back to it. So yeah, you do find, like, you you don't probably find the exact book you're looking for, but it's something fairly close, which is, again, surprising considering that what you're looking for is not exactly common. And uh, yeah. Uh, and we'll leave you to your shopping mm -hmm. as we jump over to Vic. So, Vic, it's actually been a while since you've actually met up with any of the Zero since we saw you last. You were there for the uh, the Book of Hymns, but uh, you sort of have been out, like, you know, out and about and even out of town um, because the Magi Foundation uh, headquarters in the free market states kind of, like, figuratively imploded. And because of that, there was a lot of, you know, like, headhunting for um, useful researchers for other companies that you are associated with and especially people that are very good at like actuarial duties because those people are worth their weight in gold absolutely yes but uh, what else has Vic been up to really uh, well you know um, especially with I Halloween mean, coming around so close yeah Halloween's kind of a touchy time uh, not for Vic in particular but for uh, his roommate <laughs> <laughs> the vampire yeah, the literal uh, yeah. vampire yeah lucky for him Vic lives in an apartment complex so there's not really that much you know stuff going on but um yeah uh vic tries not to mention it too much the guy uh well he's got a bit of a temper and keeps going on these rants about appropriation or something or other vic doesn't really pay that much attention to it um but <clears throat> yeah uh you know he appreciates the season he likes cheap chocolate as much as anyone else um but i mean honestly he's been so busy with work lately uh you know he has to secure his investments ah uh, yes <laughs> with magic being real you'd be amazed how much like how like with magic being a thing that some people are aware of of, you'd be amazed how much Halloween just affects the stock market by its sheer existence. Yes, yeah, and it's not all superstition. Um, smart people know how to take advantage of it. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, if that's the case, so we kind of cut into you. You're sort of in your office. You're like going over like stacks of papers, looking up uh, like potential configurations of ley lines and which companies lie on those ley lines. Uh, when your uh, vampire roommate does kind of come in, and uh, you know he's a little bleary eyed. He goes into the fridge, picks up one of uh, Vincent's patented blood uh, blood um, juice packs and begins sort of the sipping on it and says ugh, ugh. What are you working Hey Vic, what are you working on? Oh, you know you know, uh, same old, same old stuff. Um, actually it's some occult stuff. I don't know if you have any experience with that. Um, well, I was the victim of a cult. 
uh, and then he just kind of gives you the like, yeah, like a little like hand gesture. That's funny. Yeah, it's ley lines, actually. You see, uh, well, uh, Halloween's coming up, obviously. You know this great confluence of magical energies happens only a few times a year. We won't have yeah. an opportunity like this until the, the winter solstice, and then again, not until the summer equinox. Um, uh, at that time, certain neighborhoods in the city become particularly psychoactive, and the companies that have their headquarters in those neighborhoods tend to invest or tend to act a little more erratically. And so, um, well, huh, I'm trying to de-diversify more my portfolio for the next couple of weeks to just try and, you know, um, uh, get ahead of any potential problems that might arise. Uh, it's a bit of a head-scratcher, really. Uh, I'm more of a numbers guy, but, Well, you know. I can tell you this. I don't know much about the leyline stuff, but I can tell you the people that do experience a big boon are medical companies around this time. Because, uh, <laughs> let me let you on a little secret. Halloween, as much as I fucking hate every one of those plastic-fanged bastards walking around with fake blood coming out of their mouths, it's, uh, also a time where we kind of get to let loose our, uh, you know, disguises. And, uh, like, you've kind of seen this before, where, like, if he goes without blood for a very long period of time, he really does start to look like a walking corpse. And then, like, the minute he gets a bit of blood in him, he, like, you know, he kind of revivifies right in front of you. Is so, it more you know, like zombie, or is it more like Nosferatu? More like Nosferatu. Like, the, the fangs get sharper and more pronounced, the fingers get longer, and the nails, like, sharper. The the ears start to point, the head starts to become more, a little elongated. Like, it's a, it's, yeah, like you've seen it before, it's actually a pretty, like, surprising transformation, all things considered. Freaky. But, uh, anyways, the reason why medical companies end up getting so much is because, uh, well... Let's just say some of the more politically, uh, the affluent members of our community, uh, they <laughs> tend to invest pretty heavily in uh, getting, uh, you know, those pay by those like pay for blood services up and running. And that usually means buying a lot of equipment, subsidizing a lot of doctors, and that tends to see a, a sharp intake. It's not exactly stable. It'll probably crash around Thanksgiving. But if you're looking for a volatile trade, it's certainly worth going all long and short of it. Now, that's pretty interesting. I've never noticed that. Huh. Uh, like I said, unless you're really looking for it, you know, these aren't the big S&P makers. They're smaller companies. Yes, yes, yes. But it's still a trend. Ah, uh, okay. Maybe I'll, I'll give a call to our um, mutual friend. Uh, yeah, uh, tell him that I'm going to need a refill on these. He, like, shakes the little, like, Tetra Pack that the blood comes in. Ugh, sure thing. <laughs> I feel like Vic sells his blood Ziploc bags. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, <laughs> he like, likes... That's too, that's too ritzy for, for... Yeah, for Vinny. Yeah, no, oh, he sorry, like... Vinny, he, sorry. Yeah, he like... He waves the, uh, the, like, the little plastic bag the blood comes in. It's just got, like, a little straw attached to the side of it. And, uh, as you sort of go back to your work, we're going to finally cut to our last member of the the DK crew, Brian. <laughs> okay. So, Brian, it is... It's a weekend. Uh, it it's getting kind of late in the evening. You've just finished up dinner. Uh, you sort of like put Leland down in his crib. Uh, Sam's gone off to play his uh, like his new game system that you got him for Christmas. And uh, Morgana has kind of once again sequestered herself up into the room. So it's just sort of you and your wife, like, you know, doing the dishes in the kitchen. So just to quickly check, this isn't on Halloween night? No, but you're getting close to it. It's like mid-October. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. All right, cool. So yeah, as you guys are washing dishes, uh, suddenly Susan, your wife, is like, so we got another deposit into our kids' college fund. Ah, yes, I have been meaning to discuss why that has occurred. You know my friend, Vinny, correct? Uh, 
find me? He's the one who sells blood to vampires. Oh! <laughs> the one and that's totally fucked up! <laughs> <laughs> like, when you say that, um, like, she kind of, like, she's like, wait, guy in the, the suit? Yes! He sells blood? Have I not mentioned this before? No, I I just know him because he came by and dropped off that banana bread a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Wait, banana bread? Yeah, don't you remember? So you suddenly think back and you remember, like, shortly after you helped Vinny with his little, like, bone thief problem. Yeah. Like, one day you came into the kitchen and you just saw, like, there was a plate of banana bread in the kitchen. Huh. You just kind of assumed that, like, your wife had brought something home from, like, a meeting because she does that all the time. But yeah, like, you just remember there being a plate of banana bread in the kitchen. What did you think of the, that, that banana bread? I don't know. How good was the banana bread? It's, it was definitely homemade, like, better than, uh, like, you know, your store-bought stuff, but not by much. But it was very clearly like, oh yeah, this is homemade versus store-bought bread. Okay, so it seems like it's not something that Vinny makes often, but he wanted to do something as a thank you for the Bone Thief stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Ooh! But the, la but the last thing we did was that Vinny made everyone go in and beat up a guy <laughs> in his own business. Yeah, oh. well, that's that's what the deposit, the, the college fund is for. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, you remember that, um, and yeah, I'm starting to look a little sheepish. That uh, night where something came up and I had to um, go off at about uh, midnight-ish. Oh, no. yes, and I had your pillow self to keep me company. Again, I have apologized for that, and I am very sorry, but because I, Vinny needed help with something, and in exchange for that, Leland is going to college! Not just Leland. Have you seen how much he gave? Um, at this, I kind of pause for a second because my wife usually is the one who handles, like, the hard financial numbers and stuff. Yeah, and she kind of goes like, oh, right, yeah. Um, here, let me show you. And, uh, she pulls up, like, you know, the the sort of accounting saw, like, the, the bank app that she uses, and she shows you. Uh, like, overnight, that, uh, fund just increased by $30,000. Huh. And there's, uh, the deposit was made by an Avery Acquisitions Incorporated, and the only thing in the byline said, see, totally worth it. Oh, it's, uh... More than I was expecting. Yeah, I, look, I'm not one to look a gift horse in the mouth like this, but you, like, this is all okay, right? Like, I know you said your friend sells. Does he make this much selling blood? And at this, I kind of wait for a little bit and think, and for the first time, I guess I start, like, doing the math in my head, and I think to myself, like, you know, Vinny's the sort of guy who's grateful enough to throw a couple bucks my way, but this seems like a lot for one night. So, oh, this, um, tell you what, I'm going to have a call with my good friend Vinny, just one moment. And I give my wife sort of an almost absent kiss on the forehead as I think to myself, and I, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, as you are, so as you're about to reach for the phone, uh, suddenly Morgana comes into the kitchen, uh, and she's like, uh, hey mom, hey dad, um, hey dad, can I borrow the minivan tonight? Pretty! For what purpose do you require the minivan? Oh, uh, you know, I was just gonna drive out, we were gonna, I was gonna take some friends to go see a movie, you know, nothing big. Wait a minute, bitch! Friends. Uh, you know, Roderick, uh, Peter, Vanessa, Steph, Roderick you know, the usual. Peter, these are the names of boys, are they not? <sighs> and, like, 
the if she could physically detach the eyes in her head and have them roll around entirely in her skull, she would do that. But she gives you the closest approximation to that. Dad, it's fine, really. We're just going to see a movie and then maybe hanging out at Vanessa's house. I shall allow you to go and have some fun with your friends, even if they are boys. Oh, one moment. There seems to be something on the back of your neck. Let me get that for you. And as she... It's <laughs> a so, tracking charm. <laughs> yeah, like, actually, I go around behind her and I begin muttering a spell and an incantation under my breath so that if any guy tries to touch her on her bare skin, they will immediately get an electric shock. So yeah, uh, no, well, like, she actually gives you the opportunity when you, uh, say, like, okay, yes, yeah. she goes like, oh, thanks, Dad, like, hugs you. Oh, God, and then... <laughs> Dad, are you all right? Yeah, like, I cough out a cloud of smoke as my hair is now all on end. <laughs> I need to rework something And yeah, I'm just gonna stagger, uh, back to my study and... Rework incantation! Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So you hear like take the key. So as you're in your study, you like takes she takes the keys and you hear like head out the front. And your wife is just kind of like standing there at the like the the entrance of your sanctum, being like, you know, I should say that that was probably you deserved that, but honestly, yeah, I think you get the message. The price we pay keeping our children safe. Can't just magic away all your problems, Brian. Morgana's growing up. Watch me! That... <laughs> okay, you calm down. I'll finish the dishes. And um, yeah, maybe we'll settle in, see what's on uh, streaming. Um, but yeah, as you guys are sort of all doing these things in the evening, all of you receive a message in the uh, Zero's group chat. It's from Vinny. What does it say? Client of mine has discovered some weird shit. Nudes experts to take a look at it. Any takers? <laughs> And then in brackets, Brian, I do need your help, probably need your help on this. Oh, of course. To me specifically? Yes. So, yeah, I just let out a very long sigh reading this, and I type back, We do need to talk about a few things. This is a good chance to take care of many problems at once. Cool. Okay, hands emoji. Quintess, Vic, you in? Uh, thumbs up. Yeah. And I will say that you get these sort of like during your little vignette. So, Quintess, you get this at the bookstore. Vic, you get this while overlooking your uh, various sort of financial dealings. Well, well, just the man that I wanted to talk to. Yeah, I'm in. Cool. Uh, meet me at and you gives he gives you an address for the train yard. Okay. Uh, come around to gate on the east side. I'll meet you there. Thumb, thumbs up. Alright. So, uh, without any further ado, I assume that all of you guys make it over in your various methods of transportation. Brian, you teleport. Vic, you have your Corvette. Um, Quintess, how do you get around the city again? Transit. You just move it? Transit? Alright. You've once again donned your disguise. Occasionally I use the underground tunnels if I, but they, they have a pretty limited range and a lot of them are closed off. Especially after the Gilgamesh incident, a lot of them collapsed. So. Right, yeah. That absolutely just cut like a ton of your transit options in half. It was a really bad yeah, day. Well, it, it, yeah, if, 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 if Quintess shows up somewhere she's not, that it doesn't make any sense that she was should have, it's because there was a tunnel. <laughs> All right. So yeah, by the time you guys get there, like it is like very, like it has started to be totally the evening. The sun has completely gone down. And uh, as you guys pull up, you see that Vinny is kind of standing by the gate, uh, talking to another guy 
who is dressed up in your standard, like, workman outfit. Like, he's got a hard hat on, he's got a high-vis vest, uh, like, coveralls that seem to be covered in various stones and greases, and what looks like steel-toed shoes. They're just kind of talking to each other. And, uh, as you guys roll up, he goes, Oh, well, gang's all here, minus the, uh, old-timers. And the other guy kind of looks around and says, Um, are, are you sure these guys are experts? I mean, I, I I think that one is, but what about the other two? And when he mentions the expert, he points to Quintess with all of your scientific gadgets and whatnot, and then points to Vic and, uh, Brian. Uh, well, Quintess isn't actually wearing any scientific gadgets. She has two briefcases. Okay. Um, and she's actually wearing, uh, right now, she is wearing a big trench coat that is, like, very clearly, like, like, you can see, like, the parts, like, sticking out a little bit, but she's wearing a big trench coat and a fedora. Okay. So, yeah, uh, he kind of looks at, like, Vinny, he's like, um, these are the experts? Hey, Vinny, who's this guy? Oh, uh, Rico Halavik, union rep for the local 738 rail workers. Uh, he's the guy that, uh, long story short, my client got in contact with. So, uh, Rico, if you want to describe it. And sort of Rico's like, um, okay. So, there's this car in the yard. Um, everybody's convinced it's cursed. We avoid it as much as possible. We don't attach it to trains. It's been there for God knows how long. And, uh, nobody works on it alone. Everybody has to work in pairs. Because bad stuff happens around that. People get hurt, injured. One guy straight up, uh, like, damn near lost his head when it nearly rolled over him, but, uh... Horrible. Yeah, but anyway, the... The higher-ups aren't doing anything about a fucking curse, but recently, things have been getting worse. Uh, a few days ago, a guy walking past it suffered some sort of massive heart attack, and, uh, people have been coming off the job for mental health days, citing something about terrible nightmares after working near it. I see. I, I think it's getting worse, and I don't know anybody who can get better. But I, I talked to some guys, and, well, they said they'd talk to people, and, well, the next thing I know, you four showed up. Interesting. Maybe that there is an arcane reason for this curse. There are many who would underestimate it, but have made a wise decision for enlisting our aid. Uh, well, uh, I'm relief. Anything that can keep my boys safe. Anyway, I'll, I'll take you over to it. And uh, he unlocks the gate, and he sort of takes you through the train yard. And yeah, you come to a sort of uh, a train car that's very clearly being like sequestered out as far as it can in the yard away from everything else. But it's a train yard, so there's still a lot of cars, like, beside it. Uh, but as you get closer to it, it sort of was painted this sort of, like, dark forest green color, uh, but it's now sort of rusted and faded. And it's sort of like, you know, as patches of the gray steel sort of showing off underneath. It's it's clearly a very old car, but like looking at the um, like the wheels, all of it seems to be like brand spanking new. Hmm. And uh, well, yeah, uh, this is the car. Uh, now, if you don't mind, I I would like to, you know, and you he, as you're doing this, you see him like his hands are up. And he's like backing away from it slowly, like it's a bomb. Uh, how long did you say this thing was here? Uh, God knows. Uh, we discovered it maybe, I don't know. It's been on the books since uh, easily 50, 40 years ago. Okay. We've got records of it going back that far, but for some reason it just never left the yard, which is strange, you know, uh, Freight usually moves, as you know, but this thing's always here in inventory. Yes, sir, I'm right. curious, sir. Um, okay. Hey, uh, Harry, mm -hmm. since, uh, Vic has been looking at maps of ley lines all evening, uh, is this rail yard on a ley line? The rail yard is not, actually. In ah. fact, as far as you're aware, there's not a lot of, at least obvious, supernatural phenomena that, like, intersects at this area. Interesting. 
Hey, buddy, one last thing before you go. Uh, yeah? Uh, these accidents, these whatevers, do they tend to happen at certain times of the year? Uh, no. Uh, it's really just if anyone's alone near the thing for an, a period of time. It used to be that, uh, you'd be fine as long as you didn't go inside, but like I said, now people are having problems just passing by the thing. That's interesting. Uh, Brian, you got a read on this? Um, let me think. Can I roll, um something to try and figure out a little bit of what's going on, like magical lore? Yeah, I'll, I'll actually give this one to you for free. Like, you sort of cast out your senses. Um, there's nothing innately, like, you know, when you were, uh, like, the, like, when you're sort of looking for magic, you're kind of looking for, like, you know, for lack of a better term, like, bad magical vibes coming off of things. Yeah. There isn't real, like, as you extend your senses, there isn't really anything like that coming off of this. Um, um, there's sort of just a lot of, like, you don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of, like, magically fuzzy. Like, you're looking at it through static. But there's no, like, you know, like, evil energy coming off of it. Though I will say, as you guys kind of get closer, you do kind of feel this little, like, a little bit of dread just forming in your stomach. Uh, what, what does Quintess feel? Same. Uh, Quintess, you feel nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Quintess is actually, like, holding one of her books. Yeah. Just, like, kind of, like, eyeing it. Like, if anyone is looking away from her, she, like, opens it and like, reading a little bit. Alright, uh, Vinny's like, alright, Rico, you can, uh, get out of here. We'll take a look. Uh, well, uh, and yeah, like, Rico, like, you know, like I said, he was backing away, so the minute he's told to, like, leave, he's, he's already gone. Huh. Well, nothing to it but to do it, I guess. Uh, and, like, Vinny will, like, walk up to the door and be like, everyone ready? Uh, Quintess kind of, like, walks up for it front. Um, maybe I should go first? I leave it to you, Quintess, but be careful. There's something I don't like about this place. There are foul magics afoot! All right. Uh, so, yeah. Vinny gestures away and allows you to open the door, Quintess. All right. Uh, she will. So you roll the door back and see nothing inside. It's a little rusty on the inside, but you don't see anything. At least uh, not initially. Uh, guys, I don't see anything in here. Yeah, huh. well, the guy didn't say anything about ghosts or spooks. Uh, I guess we just wait a week and see if one of us has a heart attack. Uh, well, hold on. We can't see all the way in. There's still the back. Uh, oh, here. Let me take a look. Uh, Quintess is gonna uh, duck in. Alright, so as you duck in, uh, you can't see innately in the dark, right, Quintess? No. Okay. As you're sort of looking, you see that there's something at the end of the train car but you're not entirely sure what it is. It's like, you've opened sort of the back and all of the stuff is at the other end where there's not the door. And you kind of like, it, there's something in here, but you can't quite make it out. Oh, uh, I think I see something. Let me oh, get a bit closer. Excuse me, is, is that somebody in here? Yeah, as you get closer and your eyes kind of adjust to the darkness, you kind of make out like four humanoid shapes just standing very still. Oh, um... What are you gentlemen up to this evening? You get no response. Uh, is this like a is this like a prank thing? Quintus begins looking around. Are there cameras? Not that you can see. At this point, Vinny like peeks his head in. What did you see? Uh, looks like there's a couple of guys in here. They're not really saying anything though. I'm gonna. Uh, you guys want to reveal yourselves, or should I just come in? No response. 
else. Alright, Quintess is going to open her briefcases and then start popping her gear on. Um, right. And then once she pops all of it on, she's going to like turn on, she's going to walk closer in the corner and then turn a flashlight on. Alright, so as you sort of walk closer, you turn the flashlight on and you see uh, 4P, you see three people dressed in a similar sort of uniform to what you saw Rico in. So like uh, work gear, coveralls, and you see first responder and they are all just staring directly at the end of the train car, not moving. The, some uh... of them have expressions of fear on their face. One of them seems to have sadness. Uh, you see that like first responders kind of like clearly like doing some sort of concerted effort. Uh, uh, what's first responder's name? Do we know? Lou. You know it's Lou. Do, you know, but, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Lou, what are you doing? Hey, guys, Lou's here. What? So to everyone outside the train car, uh, Quintess kind of walked forward and then just kind of stopped and went slack. Uh, Quintess, <laughs> as you sort of walk forward towards Lou's location, you suddenly feel as if the floor beneath you falls away and you suddenly feel like you're falling and you're falling and all of a sudden you just feel very tired very sleepy uh this makes quintess incredibly stressed as she uh needs to just she's not always like holding it back per se but like mm. this is a level of like mental um lo loss of control that may that she this is the type of mental loss of control that she's worried is going to cause problems, problems. yeah so she like is like desperately she has like sleep, reverse sleep paralysis where like she's trying to focus her mind really hard but she like she can't okay uh so yeah like you actually and like you you've probably studied techniques to do this specifically against this and so you kind of just a little bit like peer back the curtain as you feel the sort of sensation of like landing on solid ground again but rather than being inside the train car you are somewhere else and slowly like it's a struggle to kind of keep your eyes open uh, but you manage to see, like, the beginnings of a city forming around you, and then that's when you kind of, like, you, you just, you lose it for a second, and, but you're immediately awake, and it's like somebody set up a stage in front of you while you, like, blinked. And again, and now we'll cut back to everyone else. So yeah, uh, Quintess has kind of stopped moving and gone slack. Uh -huh. The suit undulates a little bit, almost as if... Without direct presence of Quintess, like, it kind of has a bit of free movement, but seems to be being contained. Quintess! Quinn? Everything all right in there? No response. Uh, I reach oh, out- shit. I reach out telepathically. All right. Uh -oh. So reaching out telepathically, you realize that something has, uh, actually, you know what? Give me an overcome check for this. Hey, uh, can I roll with Principle of Magic? Absolutely. Okay. For your patience, just my, uh, dice rollers being right now okay and thinking on this d8 right now oh wow those are some terrible rules uh yeah none of those are my highest for that was all right well you can choose to fail or you can choose to succeed with a major twist fail fail please okay something is blocking your ability to interact with Quintess. You don't know what, and you don't know how it's working, but it's like someone is like, usually when you try and contact someone telepathically, you kind of like slot in. Uh -huh. Something is already in that slot. Oh, that's bad. Okay, so there is something very fell at work here, and it seems as though Quintess has been the first.
Last of Us. Oh, pray. Everyone well, must be on our highest alert. Okay, well, what do we do? Uh, well, the thing got her while she was in the car. Could we get her out of the car? Um, I use telekinesis to try and move her from a distance. Roll an overcome check. Hey, okay. uh, let's see. Um, this is going to be with telekinesis this time. Oh. oh, yes. Uh, before we forget, I believe it's a, a plus three hero points for everyone in this issue. Oh, nice. So feel free to allot those accordingly. But uh, yes, go ahead and give me your roll, uh, Chris. Okay. Ugh. Okay, so the dice are, do not like me tonight. My max die for that is a two, so I'm going to fail again. Wow. Okay, so you attempt to pull her from this, and you actually think it's quite easy uh, until you realize that whatever this thing is has formed a psychic connection so strong that if you try to rip her out of it, it will probably do, like, significant damage to her brain. I put her back down. Uh, I'm assuming that's a no-go then, huh? That is correct! Whatever it is that has Tess in its thrall has a connection to her. Cannot move her without risk of damaging her as well! Uh, shit, so what? We gotta go in? It seems to be our only choice! I mean, I guess there's two different ways this could go, right? Or three different ways. First, we draw it out and we fight it physically. Second, we fight it mentally. Three, we all get taken out. And then what? Well, I mean, first of all, I'd like to know what the hell it is. Yes, I personally, I I, I don't like any of these options. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, that are our only options at the moment. All right, um, look. Ah, I mean, I can hang back in case something goes wrong and you two want to dive in. I, like I said, Brian, no offense, you're not the only person with a cult I know, but, um, like I said, this is a bit out of my wheelhouse, which is the reason why I called you guys. I mean, Brian is lost in thought at the moment, trying to figure out what to do now. Yeah, Brian, you're, you wouldn't happen to have some sort of artifact that blocks psychic attacks or whatever. Like some kind of, I don't know, helmet made out of some rare alloy or whatever. I don't know how these things work. Unfortunately, I did have such an artifact a while ago, but my son, Samuel, took it to school for show and tell without consulting me first, and the helm was then shattered! Your, your magical artifact can be shattered by children? Look, I never said that it was indestructible from physical forces, only mental ones! <laughs> Guess that makes sense. All right. Well, uh, if there's anything that you can do to steal you or me, do it now. Uh, yeah, you I got don't... any boosting abilities? All right. You have any abilities that call, that give boosts? Ooh. Okay. Um. Yeah. I can. Uh, no. Uh. Only stuff in the yellow zone right now. Oh, well. Yeah. Unless you want to take a minor twist, to use those. Uh. Yeah. I. Uh. You know what? Screw it. I'll take a minor twist and I will apply, um, what's the name of this ability? Dalgul's Insidious Whispers to boost multiple nearby targets. All right, roll it. Okay, let's... I mean, that that's kind of the perfect ability right there. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, so this is going to be... Okay, my mid-die for this is a seven. There we go. So everybody, uh, I'll say Quintess kind of retroact, like kind of gets this as well, though the, like, you know, it works a little differently. It's kind of Brian trying to rouse you out of it effectively. But yes, everybody gets a plus two boost. All right. So I encant some phrases. All right. Uh, but you also take a minor twist, right, Brian? I do, yes. So what happens as I'm encanting the phrases necessary to shield everybody on a mental level? So as you are encanting and channeling this magic, you suddenly feel as if attention has been brought to you somehow. 
like a fly struggling in a spider's web. In your attempts to sort of, like, help get out of the situation, you have drawn the attention of something, probably whatever the thing is that's doing this, to you. Ah, well, that was gonna happen one way or another. But this is, like, you know, like, it's the sense that you can tell that there is something in the astral plane that is watching you, but you don't know what exactly. Hey. keen interest. I hold my breath as this happens and i feel as though there is another power here gentlemen we must be yeah, no shit no something else and i think it knows we're here well well in for a penny in for a pound i guess uh you want I me think... to hang back just in case or all of us into the breach together well since you've so graciously offered why, why don't you hang back all right i'll give you guys 30 minutes after that i might be coming back with somebody else that knows some stuff see if i can't get you out very well all right and so uh um, yeah, I guess the two of us are gonna step forward with, uh, as... uh, yeah. yeah, Vic is not happy about this. <laughs> yeah, same. But, uh, well, this is just what happens when you hang out with Brian. Yeah. Um, no, this yeah, is what gonna... happens when Vinny, uh, asks if we can do him a favor. That's, that's very fair. Um... Hey, he quantified weird shit, and you know the weird shit Vinny gets up to. He is. Uh, um, but yeah, Vic's like rolling up his sleeves. He's like, all right, you spooky bitch. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> I'm like, scared of you. All right. So you sort of step forward into the train car. And as you sort of pass Quintess, uh, and as you look back, you pass Quintess. And almost as if you passed an invisible threshold, sort of the second you get there, you see all of the world just sort of fade away. And you're overcome by the sense of falling and sleepiness. And Quintess, you sort of are walking up the the street in this place. Yeah. And things are starting, like, this is familiar to you. Like, you, you recognize that street corner, and you recognize, like, that address. And this is Pacific City, but it's, it's older. Like, things are clearly, like, you know, this is clearly, like, just by, like, you're able to look at, like, signage and stuff like that. And it very clearly, like, screams of a different, older era. And as you're kind of slowly getting your bearings... Uh, suddenly, Brian and Vic kind of, like, you turn around and Brian and Vic are just getting up off the ground. As both you, Brian and Vic, like, you, again, you try to stay awake, but in that instant you, like, fall asleep. And a, a blink, suddenly you are in this city with, and as you sort of get up, you see Quintess, who has maybe moved, uh, who's about, like, 20 feet away from you. Yes? Everything? Oh, we. I'm not sure, but seems like we're in some kind of mental construct of the past. Um, oh. And she motions to, like, the street signs and the, I don't know, like a phone booth. Yeah, and as you kind of get your bearings, you begin to realize that this is downtown Pacific City, but as you kind of look off in the distance, you see, like, large billowing smoke on the horizon, and you suddenly hear the sounds of, like, steel wrenching, dogs barking, and gunfire. Uh. And kind of looking around, you seem to be in a relatively calm part of the city, but, like, just beyond it, you see that the downtown is... something bad is happening. All right, so what... Brian, well, could this be some kind of shared hallucination? That is within the realm of possibility! That's the case that whatever is creating this illusion is creature or caster of no small importance! Well, uh... If you want to try and figure out what it is, uh, I'll allow you to roll an overcome with magical lore. Okay, so let's see what happens. E. All right, that is a six. Okay, so that is a success with a minor twist. Right. So thinking back on 
like magical creatures. You remember reading about something. You remember reading about how divots in the astral plane are created. When sentient creatures experience huge groundswells of emotion, joy, fear, anger, uh, they can create sort of dents in the astral plane. And as magic fills these dents, it can create supernatural phenomena. This is often how ghosts appear because the magic takes the form of the person as they sort of imprinted in the astral plane. Um, but as these, and you know, obviously the, the bigger the dent in the astral plane, the more magic can kind of build up in these areas. There is a creature in the astral plane that lives by feeding off of this pooled magic in these pools, sort of like, uh, like a, a bottom feeder for an ocean. Um, but as it grows in size, because things on the astral plane don't really urge and thus they don't really die, but they do require more and more magical energy to sustain themselves. Oh, no. And so some of them will scatter off to find bigger indents where they can feed off of. But others, far more, you'd almost want to say nefarious, but that's sort of ascribing human features to a cre- to an animal, uh, will instead lure sentient creatures to the dent that it has made its home and then psychically torture them so that it creates a larger and larger dent so that it can feed on more and more magic. Would a better word to describe this as opposed to nefarious be predatory? In a sense, it doesn't eat the people, but it does prey on them in a sort of uh, weird... Uh, Jonathan, what's the parasitic relationship type where the parasite kills the host? Oh, a parasitoid. Yes, in a sort of parasitoid way. Ooh, okay. So this astral... You, you get the feeling that what is happening... Is that this as is that this sort of astral parasite has kind of made its home here in Pacific City? Why this rail car? You're not a hundred percent sure, but clearly maybe something bad happened there, and it's been growing ever since. And also considering how many people it's managed to ensnare, you'd guess that this thing is no small creature. It is probably substantial. Hey. Again, if things on the astral plane had sizes. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I feel all. All of you in on this. All right. So we're dealing with some kind of psychic vampire. Oh, or like a psychic anglerfish or spider or something similar. But All right. comparisons to an animal such as that may pale in comparison to what we are truly up against. You do know, however, that now that you are inside the illusion, your ability to get people out because you are a strong enough magician is much more, um, like, safe, basically. Good. You're, you're tapped directly into the Matrix. Exactly. Good to know, okay. Uh, right. so, unfortunately, as you were kind of filling people in on this, because Brian talks as Brian does... Yeah, loudly. Uh, you, yes, you suddenly hear the sounds of heavy boots on the ground and snarling dogs as two men armed in what can only be described as combat gear carrying assault rifles with dogs on leashes sort of come around the corner. They see you and they go, hey, papers, now! As they point their guns at you. Uh... Oh, yes, this era of the past. Oh, for you. Yeah, and so for those of you familiar with your history, you immediately clock that the guys in the uniforms uh, have the symbol of the directorate on their uh, armor. Just to check, what time period would this be exactly? Like the 60s? The, the, during the port period where supervillains controlled the city. Yes. Oh, boy. Right. Uh, oh, don't worry. I got this handled. And uh, Vic is going to... <laughs> 
<laughs> he's gonna go up and walk up up to these guys and uh, reach into his vest. He's like, "All right, fellas, uh, <laughs> uh, I've got uh, all the papers you need right here." And he's gonna pull out a big wad of cash. <laughs> they, uh, the the two guys look at each other. They're like, uh, "What do you think, billionaires? No, they would have armor if they weren't. Screw it, kill him, and we can take his money." And uh, <laughs> that. Ah, uh, yes, this, we're at this level of fascism. Okay, yes. good to know. <laughs> you just wanted to know what level of fascism we were at. This is the level. <laughs> yes, All we right. are at, of the bad times, we are at the worst times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, God, yeah. can I get a light fascism here with just bribery and corruption? Mm. Not outright murder? Ugh. All right. All right. Uh, we're we're so... so far into fascism, capitalism itself has stopped working. Ooh. No! <laughs> that's a heavy level of fascism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's deep in the fascism. Oh, yeah, when you've gone too far, then... Oh, no, we've moved from plutocracy <laughs> right. to dictatorship. However, uh, you do have some help. So, John, um, describe how First Responder comes on the scene. All right, so uh, you see... Uh, well, the first thing you see is, like, a white and red uh, streak... Um, as, uh, he, he just is suddenly, like, between, uh, these two guys with guns and, and then, uh, the, the street kind of resolves itself into a young man, uh, in a, like, white kind of, um, like, kind of paramedics style outfit with, like, red, with a red cross on the back and... Well, well it's like you're, like, a tactical paramedic, right? Uh, what, yeah. Is that the vibe? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, and also a pair of, like, he has a pair of, like, like, not high-tech, but, like, a kind of techy shoulder pad with, like, red flashing lights on them. Um, nice. and he says, uh, now, just because your boss is on, on the ropes doesn't mean you should be going around assaulting random citizens, guys. Come on, now. I, I thought we we were we had resolved the, this a, a, a few times already, but I mean, <clears throat> if I need to beat the lesson into you one more time, I don't mind it. Ooh, thank goodness you're on our side. We appreciate it, helpful stranger. And then one of the uh, guards, uh, one of the guys in body armor, goes, "Oh shit, first responder. Huh? Oh, we're gonna look forward to that, boys. Stick them." And the uh, like, they let go of the leashes, and we are going to start uh, combat and the scene tracker. So our scene tracker is one green three yellow and four red ah the the emergency one yes and so far you guys are dealing with um two d8 minions of directorate forces and um hey harry can i um temporarily make a small change to my character sheet sure go ahead what are you changing i am going to change my personality type ah oh because you're young and boisterous now yeah exactly yeah, so I am going to change uh, from uh, sarcastic to mischievous. <laughs> nice. Ooh, you're a scam. And two D6 Morpho Mutts. So getting a, a better look at the dogs after they've been unleashed, you realize that these are, these are scary looking Dobermans. They've got massive overdeveloped jaws with multiple rows of sharp teeth. Uh, and they seem to be bred for muscle mass and aggression because they are just chomping at the bit to chomp on you. Uh, that's not good. We'll start off with, uh, let's go with Brian. Okay, so yeah, you say this in- Lou, that's you, but you're younger and hot. 
and it could have like turned their head like a and what? then the dogs start barking and you know we basically that little uh tidbit of information falls by the wayside as we're all distracted by the fight and i am going to um use yeah uh tarval's telepathic screen against uh the yeah just about everybody um all the enemies present so uh, all right that's the uh that's your mold that's your hit everyone attack right that's my hit everyone attack okay roll it hey wow my mid die for this is a all right. Well, uh, everything with a like a, a telepathic scream in your voice, you knock everyone out. Well then. <laughs> Wait, we're done. Like the fight's done. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. Not exactly. Again, you kind of caught a little thing by surprise, but yeah. Okay. As like the the mutts sort of like like seize up and the the guys sort of grab at their helmets and drop to the ground. Okay. Um. Wow, that was easier than expected. Um. Anyway. Um. Go now. Um. Men. Uh, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, the guys that we just defeated. Can we talk to them, or are they unconscious? Kind of writhing around on the ground, like, ah, god uh, damn it. Uh, Lou. Hey, Miss. Uh, I don't know who you're talking uh to, but uh, <clears throat> does first refiner wear a mask in this era? Yeah, does. Oh, does. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry. Uh, first uh, responder. Um, wait, you don't recognize us? Uh, no. I think I remember uh meeting a blue fellow um <clears throat> but clearly you're uh left tolerant error everybody let him let him go because, <laughs> <laughs> because i'm colored isn't it he's a man of his times he's a man of his times <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> just because they haven't made progress right now doesn't make it better um but yeah and uh <laughs> you folks uh new to the to, to the cape and cowl scene uh, not that I, I'm I, against getting some help. They're, the whole place is kind of falling into chaos between the three different uh, groups. Oops. All right. This is bad. Oh, God. Brian, can you snap him out of this? Um, uh, uh, say, uh, getting Lou to remember is a two-box overcome challenge. Oh, that's not so bad. As Brian... Sizing up the situation, first you've got to like, you've got to disentangle him from the simulation, and then you've got to make sure that like everything in his mind is still where it is. Hey. Or you've got to find some way to help him remember so strongly that it overcomes the the the, the simulation's hold on him. Question. All right. Are, while you're doing that, I'm going to tie up these two guys. Um, yeah. I, I will say that as you walk over, like, one of them's kind of like, they're still squirming on the ground, but one of them does get in the radio, like, back up, needed that fourth and half. Are we still in combat? Uh, yes. The scene tracker is now active. It. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to, can I attack him? Uh, I mean, yeah. Like, oh. you, you managed to. He, he, he's taken out, right? Like, yeah, he's taken out. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll kick, um, I'll kick the walkie-talkie out of his hand, and I'm gonna grab his gun. All um, right, you have a gun. Quint, we are Quint, not superheroes anymore. We are uh, fighting fascists. Well, I'm gonna ah! say, Quintess is like, well, we are in a dream, though. So. And then Quintess sticks her hand into the ground, and then just around all of the enemies, like black circle appears, and then hands begin reaching out and start pulling them under. That's the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> straight up sent a bunch of fascists to the Phantom Zone. <laughs> I don't know where this goes, so I don't use it on on people who are on people normally, but it's okay. this is a dream, and I mean, Vic, Vic, Vic is right. And it's okay. Fascists aren't people. <laughs> Also, this is a dream. Uh, and as you remember, when you guys were coming into the actual uh, train car, there were three other people that were in here with Lou. 
So you know that there's at least three victims somewhere in this area, somewhere in this this mindscape that you're also going to need to help out before you try and get out yourselves. Yeah. Well, let's take care of one person at a time and start with not only a player-controlled character, but the guy who has super speed. All right, but yeah, so the uh, clock is active. So, Brian, you have taken your turn. So now you may pass to whoever. Uh, I'll pass to Quintess. All right, uh, so there's no enemies visible now? Not anymore, no. Okay, so uh, do I see... What is the most... Okay, so do I? what do I remember about the other people? Uh, they look like... Like I said, they look kind of like Rico. They probably were rail workers. Uh, so they've got, you know, blue overalls, other things. Based on what uh, Brian told you, you, whatever this parasite is, is probably trying to, like, scare or depress or just generally get them to experience high emotions of some sort. All right. Um, and we didn't know any of their names. No, unfortunately. Uh, okay. Um, how old did what did they look? Did they look like they would have still been adults during this era? Um, they are probably. Well, you realize that none of you uh were have like you know were like alive. Yeah. Yeah. Because you guys weren't around during this era. Yeah. All of the people there. Uh, one of them looks like they might be old enough to have been around in this area. If but they'd be fairly young, and the other two look like they would be too young, basically. All right, uh, Oscar's responder then. Um, have you seen anyone kind of like us, uh, a little bit out of place recently? Uh, no, not. <laughs> don't usually see many new, uh, new caves, especially pop popping up here on uh, Gilgamesh's doorstep. Um, look, uh, not that I, I, I wouldn't love to play 20 questions, but I, you know, I, I do have a city save. Uh, oh, we, uh, we could we could help. Um, we just we're looking for some of our friends. Okay. Uh, you got a description? Uh, she'll kind of loosely describe them. Um, yeah, um, well, I mean, friends maybe a, a bit of a stretch. Um, they, they, we were asked by, uh, their friend to find them. And, uh, we saw them for a moment, and then they, um, uh, ran off. Oh, re rescuers from out of state. Got it. Yeah. And, uh, but, well, yes, what action would you like to do this turn, Quintess? I don't honestly know. Um, I guess I'll do a... I, well, yeah, uh, so I'm... To, to, uh, to remind... First responder of who you guys are. Um, I'm going to do a principle of whispers overcome. Ooh. To fun. overcoming it's a challenge that involves information you have no real way of knowing. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Status die still in green. Mid die is a five. All right. Uh, so that is success with a minor twist. So what are you attempting to do and how are you doing it? Um, I want to know how to find Bull. Okay. I just want like a, like the equivalent, like Quintess doesn't know what this is, but like the equivalent of the, of the crazy taxi arrow or something like that. That'll get like, like a, like a, yeah, something like that. <laughs> something, sort. something to d guide her at least, or to pull her towards the people she's looking for. Okay. So you reach into yourself in order to try and sort of suss out the location of these people. And it's, it's actually kind of difficult. Like you feel the void trying to like reach out and sense for other things, but there's definitely something else that's sort of running interference. It might be the parasite. It might be something about this like shared hallucination, but it's, it's a little difficult, but eventually you manage to latch onto something. You suddenly hear very vividly 
the sounds of a young boy, very out of breath, panting hard, and there's the voice of a woman that's saying, Marco, come on, we need to keep going, Marco, Marco, keep up with me, please. And you suddenly, as if like you were at that scene, you suddenly know where one of the people are. But unfortunately, you don't get a beat on the other two as they seem to be beyond the, the ability for the Void to sort of reach out and touch them. All right, um, <clears throat> I will lean in and whisper to the the crew. Uh, she'll do a like, oh, could, could you give us a moment there, uh, first responder? And then she will relay the information. Yeah, so you have managed to find one of the people, probably the older fellow based on how young the voice sound, the uh, the, the, the person sounded in that, that like hearing. Yeah. All I, I, it also sounds like they are in trouble, which introduces a new challenge on the scene. Oh, but we don't know where they are. You know where one of them is. Okay. That's this one. And very clearly you can tell that they're in trouble. Are they nearby? Uh, nearby, maybe like a couple blocks. Okay. They seem to be heading in your direction, though. Oh. So you can kind of meet them in the middle if you'd like. Okay. All right. And Quintess, who are you passing to? I will pass to Brian. Brian has already gone this round. Oh, yes. Brian passed to me. Um, Vic. Okay. Um, uh, was there a response on that walkie-talkie? Uh, yeah, you hear on it, uh, this is control. Unit 2, respond. What's going on? Okay, I'm gonna pick up the walkie-talkie and, uh, respond. All right. Okay, uh, control, this is unit 2. Uh, sorry, false alarm. We have the situation under control. The mutts took care of them. All right, um, roll me an overcome check. Okay, well, uh, uh man... Um, let's see. What do I got here? Not much. Have insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm running purely off of instinct here. <laughs> Walkie-talkie. I don't know where I am or what I need to do, but I know I must kill fat. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, here goes my plus two boot. Oh, that's not bad at all. Uh, that's a that's a six. Six. So success with a minor twist? Yes. So, um, the radio in, it's like, all right. Well, uh, you might want to regroup with Checkpoint Alpha. We've had word that the Gorillians are moving into the area soon. Be on the lookout. Uh, well, We'll head there as soon as we can. Thanks. Control out. So the good news is you got one of the factions off your back, but it looks like the Gorillians might be something you may have to deal with soon. Hey, buddy, you in the red. What the hell is a gorilla there? Uh, some jack off in a high tech gorilla suit. Uh, thought that he could make a play for the city with uh, Gilgamesh. Uh, is Gilgamesh? Uh, sorry, Harry, real quick. Gilgamesh yes. is dead. Gilgamesh, uh, Gilgamesh is not dead, but uh, the leader of the Directoriate died. And it was his immense power that was kind of keeping everybody from going like immediate backstab mode. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Big Mook in a monkey suit uh, is trying to take over now that uh, the not, now that the big man and the directorate's on ice. All right. Okay. Well, good news. We're not going to have to worry about these guys anymore, but um, we may want to watch out for these uh, monkey men. Um, and uh, with that, it's uh, John hasn't gone. The environment hasn't gone. That's Anyone correct. Else? That's it. That's it. Okay. May, pa- oh. may pass to the environment. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that. All right. All right. So you pass to the environment. Uh, it is now in yellow. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, wouldn't you know it, speak of the devil ape himself, or not the the devil ape, but uh, definitely some guys. You see, like, you suddenly hear the sounds of, like, like sort of McKenna's armor, and very guys in, like, big, chunky, uh, like, power armor 
that sort of make them look like big-ass orangutans come trumbling down the street, and they see you, and they kind of go like, Hey! I don't know who the fuck you are! I'm gonna fuck you up! And, uh, you now oh, right. with- We're now at this level of fascism. The gorilla <laughs> phase. phase of fascism. Natural progression and- of any fascist regime! <laughs> and, um, you see three D10 gorillionaires, uh, or gorillions of the gorillions, sort of trumble towards you. They have now entered the scene. Uh, and that means the environment... The environment can't pass to enemies it spawns, correct, John? Um, uh, technically no. Okay, so then yes, I will pass to, uh, first responder. Alright, well, um, we are in yellow now. Yes. So, uh, that means it's time for a, uh, flurry of fists. So that's close combat and speed and my status die. All right. So, oh yeah, I forgot I gave this guy a D12 in speed. Oh, jeez. He may be an old timer, but he, he's got, still got some moves. <laughs> oh, wait. No, sorry. I have a D12 in speed and close combat. Jesus. Oh, God. Wow. All right. Uh, so that is just my max die against one of them because I didn't roll doubles. So that's just going to be 12. Tell me how you dispatch one of these gorillians. Um, so I think what he does is he just, like, he, like, goes in, like, like, runs around him really quickly, steps back, holds for two seconds, and the entire suit falls off him. Nice. Yeah, as one of the suits just comes apart at the seams, and there is now just a dude being like, Hey, hey, wait, time out! Hold on! This isn't fair! And uh, one of the gorillians is dealt with. And uh, that is the start of a new round. So, first responder, who are you passing to? I'm passing to the blue guy. He seemed to know what he was doing. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, I see these. Yeah, so these are bipedal talking gorillas. Not bipedal talking gorillas. Think more like, yeah, like power armor. But instead of making them look like a person, they're making them look like like an orangutan. Remember in One Punch Man, those guys who had the power suits, they were just like Mega Man suits. That's what I'm imagining. Okay, okay. So. The technology is definitely much clunkier than what you've seen in the modern age, though. Like, these are pretty boxy looking. Right, this is the past. Okay. These would not make it in the standard robot fighting league. No. Oh, absolutely not. They get torn to shreds. <laughs> these guys are outdated by decades or less. Yeah. So, I guess I see these guys, and uh, I just... It seems this is the past after all! Well then, time to deal with some more! I look at all of you. Monkey shines! <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> Staring at Brian. I'm sorry, I may be a wizard, but I am also a dad! And so, uh, I'm gonna use uh, Enoch's telekinetic flurry against one of these two. Uh, so Alright. Be... Okay, my mid die for this is a four. That All is right. four points of damage against one of the two. Okay, and I'm gonna roll. So he rolls a nine. So you, you hit him with this telekinetic blow, and you can kind of see that you've knocked, like, bits and pieces off of it. Yeah. But the, uh, the gorilla butt, it's still standing as he goes, Oi! Look out for the blue guy! He's funny! Maybe he's one of them Gilgamesh! Fuck him up first! This is because I'm colored, isn't it? And I, at the end of the turn, I'm going to pass, um, Quintess again. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to use, uh, Pull from Nowhere. Um, and, uh, I'm going to boost myself. And, sorry. 
Uh, persistent and exclusive plus, uh, four is a plus two. Uh, yes. Yeah, persistent and exclusive plus two. Uh, so Quintess kind of just like opens her hand and then like the black drips begin to drip down. And as they like, instead of like dr actually dripping, they just elongate till they touch the ground. And then you, it almost seems as if like the the uh, the the strands begin to like absorb from the earth. And Quintess says, "I've never really got to let loose before." And then her eyes are just begin like darkening. Oh, <laughs> There's a rare opportunity to cut loose. <laughs> um, yep, I'm done. I'll pass to Vic again. All right. Um, or there's an astral ang anglerfish finding out that it caught something much more dangerous than it expected. Yeah, <laughs> that, when you take a bite of something and realize, I've made a huge mistake. So from a uh, mechanical perspective, when the combat is over, so in seven rounds, all of these like two box, three box challenges, do they cease to exist? Do they just, do we fail they them? They fail. complete them in time? Yeah, yeah they fail basically. Okay. So um, maybe you, uh, you come out of the, maybe you come out of the mindscape with bad stuff happening uh maybe lou uh something happens to lou basically when challenges aren't completed at the end of the 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 like the the scene tracker usually that means bad things have happened all right so we've got six boxes to fill in almost as many rounds um hmm. keep in mind you haven't you've only managed to find one of the civilians and helping that civilian is a two-box challenge. That's true. So maybe we should focus on these. Uh, that being said, I uh, do not have any overcomes or any skills that could help Lou um, unless I just talk to him. But then I would just be rolling with my like base stats. Uh, what I do have is a gun. <laughs> oh, um, I also don't have to use it. Get but, a uh, fucking blast him. <laughs> yeah. It's a dream. There's no consequences. He just sprays fire at them. We wake up and they're just like, we just shot bullets all over everything. Yeah. Yeah, there's bullet holes in the side of the train car. Um, I mean, yeah, Vic is going to think about it for a brief moment and then think better of it. Because, well, even if this is a dream, and even given who these people are, uh, well, he's got some morals, or at least some semblance of a conscience. Also, uh, just by shooting bullets, he can't do this. Um, he is going to use... Shoot money! <laughs> um, yeah, his yellow ability, uh, a quick buck. So I attack one target, um, and I get to boost all my allies at the same time. Alright. Uh, how do you boost people with this ability? Because I know you can like you can whip the pet like uh, the coins at them like you know like coin shot. But how does this boost people? Yeah, let's see. Are you like calling out their actions using your precognition, mm. like uh, like like Shulk in? Xenoblade? <laughs> no, this ability is tied to my Cosmos power, which is my telekinesis. Oh, okay. Um, so I think, you know, I, I'm i attacking them, but I'm also, like, you know, trying to debilitate them at the same time. Um, mm. Maybe I hit them in, like, a weak point, or I try and knock them down so they're easier to, to, to come at. All right, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So roll off. Okay, so... All right. Wow. Um. So everybody. Uh, gets... Sorry. Which one are you attacking before you would say such? Oh yeah. Sorry. Um. Uh. I. I mean the the highest die I have is a D10, so I'm gonna go after the D8. All right. Like the them down. Um. So everyone gets a plus one boost from my min die, and uh, I do six damage. Uh, which All right. Min die. The gorillion. And that takes him out. So how do you manage to uh, take out this one? Okay. Um. Yeah. So I'm gonna basically like aim the weapon at him. Like I'm gonna fire at him um, and then I assume he'll like I don't know dive out of the way and when he does that I'm gonna come at him from an angle he doesn't expect and just fucking like clock him in the chest 
Um, yeah, Vic fights with a roll of quarters, but he also has the, the entire weight of his telekinesis like behind his elbow when he punches. Um, yeah. When he, when he hits this guy, he hits it hard enough that the suit like disassembles a little bit. Um, and you know these suits are like they're not full exoskeletons. Um, there's act there's actually a lot of like exposed parts in the joints that give them greater flexibility, maybe make them good for climbing or something. Mm -hmm. um, but it also makes them very fragile. Uh, so while they might be like while they might hit hard and move fast. Um, they actually can't take that many hits. So yeah. who's going to yell that out? So yeah, like you you do that. You clock straight through. You actually clock, like like you said, because they're so fragile, you clock through the, the chest piece and you actually hit the pilot of the suit underneath it. So he like falls out of this thing as it kind of like falls apart around him. Oof. All right. Um, and then who would you like to pass to? I'm going to pass to... Uh, who, has, who hasn't gone yet? Brian, you haven't gone yet? Uh, no, you have. Winter. Brian's gone. Quintessa's gone. Only first responder, the environment, and the enemies have not gone. Ooh, okay. Ugh, I don't like that. Um, I guess I'll pass to the environment. All right. Uh, so the environment ticks up. And um, as you guys, you're kind of fighting, you know, like there's a loud noises. There's a lot of shouting. Um, and as you do that, you suddenly hear... Uh, like the sound of combat boots and you realize oh shit one of these like you know the uh that people at checkpoint alpha they might not have like done it but now that they've heard the sounds of fighting they're coming running okay and so uh stepping out from behind uh, a corner you see one d8 dog master and with him on four leashes are four of the uh the hounds that you saw earlier um First responder, you know these collectively as Morpho Mutts because they are the work of Dr. Morpho and uh, they are mean sons of bitches. Literally. <laughs> All right. Um, so the environment summoned that. The environment's going to pass to the enemies. Um, the last gorillion, uh, the last of the gorillions is going to be like, ah, well, fuck you then. I'll take you all on. And like, you kind of hear like, uh, like a corp sound in the, the gorilla start to spin up and it, uh, seems to be doing so like it, you see parts of it start to glow as it sort of runs forward and just swinging its giant massive arms in circles comes at you like a, like an egg basically. And... So he is going to deal everyone six damage. Oof, okay. But uh, that does seem to have knocked a bunch of stuff off of his suit. So he goes down to a D8. Uh, sorry, did you say six damage? Six damage, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so, uh, and then last again is first responder. All right. Um, all right. So all these folks seem to be at least moderately combat, good at combat. So um, does first responder know about the help the boy challenge? Um, Quintess, did you sort of vocalize to everyone? Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So we did a huddle. Oh, yeah. no, actually, everyone except first responder knows about it. <laughs> That's um, I, I mean, yeah, I can, like, yell out. I, seeing that, like, first responder is looking around, I'll be like, Hey, buddy, you move pretty fast, huh? There's a kid about a block that way who needs our help. All first right. First responder, you are aware of the help the boy challenge. Great. I will go. Help All the right. boy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so you move out of this initial combat area to like find... I, like how no one has tried to help Lou remember. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> um, just give me until my turn. I'll try to help out with that. <laughs> Look, it's like, maybe, but if he remembers, maybe he'll age again. And when he's young, you can kick a lot of ass. Yeah, we actually like him more like this. <laughs> Stay like this, you're cooler, actually. Yeah. It's easier so on the off, eyes. Yeah, so heading off in the direction of the, uh, like, where, um, sort of, uh, this, this Kara, this guy in a suit sort of pointed in. It doesn't take you long to find what looks like uh, a mother 
and uh, a, a child, like about a maybe like 12, 11 year old boy. They're kind of running along the back streets. Uh, you can hear like the sound of like metal on stone as things are being ground around. Uh, you know this particularly that uh, that's the telltale call of the miners, henchmen of the prospector. Uh, and all of a sudden, as they're running, they sort of duck down an alley and then out of nowhere, a pickaxe comes flying out of the alley and it just strikes the women woman dead in the back and she just goes down. No! And the, the boy, like, stops and is like, Mom! Mom! Get up! Mom! Come on, Mom! And, yeah, like, you you hear, like, Oh, they're over this way! Come on! It, it's funny, you you don't remember seeing any actual, like, miners close by enough to throw the pickaxe. It's, it's like it almost came out of nowhere. Almost like it's a bad memory. Yeah. Alright, so, uh, I am going to use speed plus medicine to try and, um... Do an overcome to assess the bomb situation. Mm-hmm. Respond firstly. Yeah, respond <laughs> firstly. Uh, that's going to be a five. All right. So uh, that is a success. So you get down there and you assess the mom situation. And it's it's strange. The, the pickaxe hit her like sort of in the upper back, but not directly on her spine. But she's dead, which is odd because given where the pickaxe hit, it, it should have just, you know, grievously injured her. It shouldn't have killed her. Like She should be bleeding to death, but not like dead. Yeah, dead. but she is very much like deceased, even though like, and every time you sort of have one of these like moments of, wait, this doesn't quite seem right. Suddenly it's just sort of washed away very quickly. Like it's uh like you weren't even really thinking about it at all. But yeah, the woman is un- unfortunately deceased. Well, and but, but the uh, the boy does see you like trying to help and like uh, is she gonna be okay, Mister? Sorry, kid. Uh, even sometimes even first responders don't get here in time. All right. Uh, and with that, um, uh, who would you like to pass to? Uh, I'm gonna pass to Quintess. Okay. All right. All right. That's not help, Lou. Remember that was help the boy. Help the boy. Lou is not the boy. <laughs> uh. Uh, I mean, yeah. While we did successfully uh, tick off the box, essentially what happened is you just walked up to this dead woman and go, "Yep, she did." <laughs> you you honestly thought that maybe you could have done something. It's it's weird. Like you're you're feeling this sense of like you know remorse and regret for not being able to help this woman and this kid and. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it, it seems to be, like, sticking with you really prevalently. Okay, I'm going to use my attack to attack the, mas- the Hound Master. All right. That is five damage. Okay. As I just start skew, like, uh, Quintess just, like, her one hand is still, like, juicing out of the ground. The other hand just starts firing, like, obsidian spikes into people. She's turned herself into, like, a mounted machine gun. She's, like, firing things out of her fingertips. So that does manage to... He did roll a two, so that does deal with the Dogmaster. As he... He very clearly was not... He was expecting something. He wasn't expecting that. To shreds, you say. (laughs) To shreds, I say. All right. Uh, I'll pass the environment. All right. The environment ticks up. Uh, You hear um, continuous like uh, again you kind of start to become more aware of the sounds of warfare around you and it seems like the situation is progressing worse you're hearing more gunfire you're hearing explosions uh, and you're hearing some pretty like very loud monkey noises which is also very unsettling uh, and basically the thing that the environment does will uh, is not yet been revealed 
and so the environment is going to pass to the uh, is going to pass to um, first the Gorillians, and once again you see this guy like rev up and once again starts going to town. Uh, so he's going to hit all of you and attempt to hit. He's going to actually uh, attempt to hit all of you and the Morpho Uh So everybody take uh, a four damage, and I will roll to see if any of the Morpho Mutts survive. Um, all of them except for one, unfortunately. But they, they, but they do go down to D4s. As he once again revs up and starts swinging, uh, just going to town, uh, and more and more pieces of his suit are falling off. You get the feeling that he didn't sort of, like, the Gorillionaire did not select these henchmen for their smart decision choices, because the suit is starting to fall apart. Uh, and as for the Morpho Mutts... Uh, I, I assume I was out of the range of that, right? Yes, you are out of the range, correct. Um, so, uh, this is gonna go... So, the first one is gonna attack the, uh, the Gorillionaire. So, he... So, you see this thing bite into the Gorillionaire's suit, and despite the fact that it's only a dog, you see these teeth, like, bite through steel. Uh, and he has to roll to see it. Uh, and it starts tearing chunks out of it. He's still got a little bit of armor, but it's very clear that this dog is doing actual real damage to it. And then the dogs are going to attack, the rest of them are going to attack, um, Brian, then Quintess, then, uh, Vic. Uh, so Brian, uh, take four damage and a minus two penalty. As Again, this thing, like, you realize this thing has, like, bite, like, uh, offset teeth. So when it bites down and, like, grips apart, you, like, you realize this is only a dream, but this pain is very real as it stinks down into your arm and proceeds to start rending your arm almost apart. Okay, yep. Uh, yeah, Brian is hollering in pain as, yep, my mind is making it real. Yep. All right, uh, and Quintess and Quintess take one damage and a minus one, and Vic take one damage and a minus one, as the dogs all come at you. Okay. Uh, just out of curiosity, John, uh, how many hit points are you at? Uh, currently, I am at 26 out of 32. Okay. All right, and so it's Quintess, the environment, the enemies, and I believe everybody else in the round still has, uh, hasn't gone yet, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. All right, uh, so I'm going to pass to First Responder. All right, so uh, First Responder kneels down to the kid and says... Look, I'm, there's nothing we can do here. Now, uh, I've got some friends over there. They're uh, in a little bit of a mess right now, but they'll keep you safe. I need you to turn around, head that way, and don't look back, because I'm about to commit a major crime. <laughs> he turns around towards where that pickaxe came from and said, I'm about to assault a minor. I'd like to overcome a situation where I use jokes to prevent demoralization. <laughs> oh my god! god. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, why did they give that principle? This is awful. <laughs> Horrible. Oh, I hate good. it. Yeah, you good. you absolutely can use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to use uh, my D10 banter and um I guess my D6 awareness die. All right. And that's a 10. Okay. So that is a complete success. So yeah, you, so do you send the kid off uh, and like follow him or do you send him off and kind of stand your ground here? Uh, so I'm going to send the kid off basically towards the rest of the group. Okay. That's the plan. And I'm going to like, I think the awareness was like keeping an eye out for like where, like the, the pickaxe from nowhere came from. Yeah. The pickaxe, <laughs> the magic pickaxe. Yeah. All right. Uh, but yeah, so the boy runs off and pretty quickly uh, for everyone still kind of in the streets, uh, you see uh, a young child run up to you 
and they are wearing what can only be described as a miniature, like, worker's uniform. You're not sure how Lou missed that, but, you know, weird things have happened. But yeah, like, kid-sized helmet, kid-sized, like, vest, kid-sized, uh, like, uh, overalls. Kid-sized union, uh, what was it, Rail Workers Union 338 sticker? Yeah. <laughs> overalls. So, he's a, yeah. so he's a minor in both ways. Well, no. no, no, he's, he's not a minor. Aaron <laughs> just said he had a miner's hat. A, a hard hat. Okay. No, the miners are the bad guys, Chris. Oh, wait, do we fight the child? <laughs> that was terrible. That one was, mm. that's not my fault. Yeah, I take that's, full responsibility. Bri that's Brian misreading the situation immensely. I regret nothing. <laughs> Telekinetically, like, slaps that child the next week. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, first responder, who do you pass to? Um, I believe uh, Vic has yet to go. Yes. Now pass right. to Vic. Okay. Um, all right. So seeing this kid wander up with a worker's uniform, Vic is like still really kind of confused about what's going on, but he's starting to understand this weird construct world a little bit better. Um, and he gets the idea that this is a closed system. It's not a full simulacra of the world. It just, it can't be. It's got to be made up of the memories of the people who are in it. Um, and so, uh, knowing that makes this whole situation a lot simpler, and it makes finding people in it much simpler. Really, you can't, if we just wandered off into a random direction, eventually we would have to meet someone else who is stuck here, because there aren't that many people who aren't stuck here, who are, mm. like, act who are like rational actors, right? Right, so, so you're kind of applying dream logic to it, effectively. Exactly, yeah. Everyone here is either a figment or a real person, and the real people are going to be drawn to each other just kind of through the law of, law of like large numbers, right? Right. So I'm going to try and overcome um, a box in where is everyone in the mindscape using my... Uh... Uh, principle of the future. Basically, um, Vic is going to try and reach out with his precognition and look at like potential path that they could go down and try and figure out which is the quickest way they could go to find the next person who's stuck here. Okay. Um, and we're still in yellow. Uh -huh. All right. Um, with a minus one, that's a five on my mid die. So All right. minor twist. Uh, yes. So kind of realizing this, and because like your like your prophetic abilities are they kind of like uh like oracles where you have to kind of interpret them or are they like exact visions they're, well yeah they're exact visions but they lack context usually mm. so like when he typically just uses this as like you know uh, investment advice and he'll just like see stock numbers in his head and use that to make to make decisions and it, it doesn't always turn out but yeah yeah so he might be able to see like where we meet but not how we get there or something like that okay uh so as you so you're kind of like peer into these sort of various uh, pathways that someone could take. And you realize, like, as you said, you can kind of apply dream logic to this. So you realize, like, this has got to, like, it's all got to be self-contained and it's all got to be very close. And so almost as if by, like, thinking on this and concentrating very hard on the paths that people can take, you suddenly hear this, like, cacophonous fighting going on right beside you guys that wasn't there before as oh. you've kind of brought into focus effectively one of the other people oh shit i just manifested them 
Yeah, you you just pulled an Inception move, basically. Oh no, this place works on the secret. Yeah. Yes. Mm. <laughs> uh, and originally this was going to be, and you like suddenly hear the thing. Uh, unfortunately, the dream space does not like to be messed with in such a way, and almost as if by like causing that section to collapse, you've like angered something. You suddenly feel this like intense migraine-like pain in your head as your brain tries to reconcile the obvious paradox that it's basically seeing but not believing. Yes. Yeah, sure. And you are going to take a uh, a minus two penalty as this pain comes like, ah, Jesus! Okay, I'll take it. Uh, and the, but the good news is this does manage to bring you to the other two civilians. Um, the bad news is uh, it's a three-box challenge instead of a two-box challenge because you guys, that's what the environment was doing when that one turn I said it was doing something interesting. Okay. Uh, damn. Okay, who's, uh, who's left in this round? Um... I want to say Brian, actually. Yeah. I don't think Brian went, because it was Quintess first, Environment Villains, First Responder Vic, then Brian, yeah. Okay. okay. In that case, um, I'm going to start to help Lou remember, and I'm going to try to make an overcome for that. Uh, so. Okay. Listen, we, as difficult as it may be to believe, we have met before. Um, if, listen, I know that your name is Lou and that we're friends. We met when we were trying to help my friend Vinny get his bones back from a bone burglar, remember? So the funny thing about this is that First Responder isn't in the area, so you are communicating with him telepathically yeah. while doing yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm uh, sending you telepathic messages, John. Yeah. So this is going to be with an overcome with leprosy. Uh, let's see what happens when I roll. Okay, my midnight for this is a seven. Okay, uh, so that is a, a success with a minor twist. Hey. So, uh, Lou, like, as you, like, this telepathic intrusion in your mind kind of takes you off guard a little bit, because if you've never really dealt with something like this before, and that feeling, that feeling of a, a man like Brian suddenly speaking very loudly inside your mind is actually, like, recalling more memories than the story he's telling. Like, wait, I've, this ha I have done this before. Wait a minute. This man has scared the hell out of me using this before. Somehow, this sensation is not entirely novel. Wow, yes, wait a minute. Exactly. I, I know a loud blue man from somewhere. Yeah, and, like, you still feel like there's... There's something weird going on. Like you still like uh, as like you're trying to reconcile these these this memory of like wait no I've I've experienced this before uh, and unfortunately you also uh, uh, Brian you also suddenly feel this like migraining stab in your brain as you are you're doing something that the dreamscape or this parasite doesn't like oh boy well if it doesn't like uh, it that means i'm doing something right yes uh take a minus one hit. Oh boy okay and uh it is the beginning of a new round who would like to go first uh, or brian who would you pass to oh uh, you know what why don't i just can i pass to myself and just help uh, john clear the challenge entirely no nope. uh you can't pass back to yourself nice. but you can pass to someone else and then have the pass back. Um, I'll pass to Jonathan. Sure. Um, so, hey, Harry, you said that uh, when I cleared that box and find people in the Mindscape, I brought both of the civilians to us. Is that, did I hear that right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, sorry. That should be a, a two box. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I'm going to take a closer look at that situation. What What's going on there? How are these uh, in danger? So, stepping over the thing, uh, you kind of, like, and this, this is one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, this really was Pacific City. This geography would be all wrong. But, like, stepping over 
you see like one of the the main squares that has very clearly been set up like a like a pitched battlefield. Uh, on one side, you have a bunch of guys in the armor with the assault rifle sort of firing. And on the other side, uh, you see a bunch of guys in, like, minor gear. Like, the hard hats with the lamps on. Uh, they've got, like, they're not wearing, like, big coveralls. Uh, they're sort of wearing, like, denim suspenders with, like, dynamite stuffed in the pockets. And they are throwing, like, pickaxes at them with unnerving accuracy. <laughs> and sort of stuck in the middle of this firefight are like two people huddled under like the remnants of a fountain, just scared out of their goddamn minds. Yeah, all right, that tracks. Um... As like dynamite goes off around them, pickaxes are bouncing off the ground, the bullets are like pinging off of them. Yeah, this is a death zone. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all right. Well, hmm, what can I do here? Uh, okay, I have an idea. Um, pretty much everyone is affected by a hinder right now. Um, hmm. Okay, I would like to uh, use one of my yellow abilities, um, Go Bust, where I boost or hinder multiple close targets. All right. Um, I... Yeah, okay. So basically, uh, this is another telekinesis ability um, where uh, either by like, you know, uh, well, there's multiple different ways that this can go, but what uh, Vic is going to do is basically open his uh, suit jacket and unfurl the like wads of cash that are hidden in the lining and mm -hmm. send them off in the direction of the, the people uh, that are in the, the, the middle the of zone. the zone. Yeah, exactly. And he's going to kind of surround them in this. It's a paper shield, but it'll at least like block their line of sight and make them harder to see. Yeah, you're, you're creating concealment for them, basically. Yeah, exactly. And creating like, you know, kind of like tunnels or like chest high, uh, well, not chest high walls, but uh, tunnels, essentially, that they can like duck, duck and run through if they're feeling brave enough. All right. Um, and he's going to like yell out to, to them to like motion them over. Um, hey, boo. Mm, that's not good enough. Uh, I'm going to uh, use one of my green abilities uh, after rolling during my turn. I can take one damage to re-roll my dice pool. Okay. And I'm going to do that because otherwise that would not have done anything. And that is just good enough. Okay. Uh, with the minus, even with the minus two, my mid die is four. Okay. So I'm going to give everyone in the scene who's close to me, so basically everyone except John, um, a plus two boost. Uh, and then I'm going to, I'm going to like yell and motion over to these people to try and like, you know, yeah, let them like... know that they can get out of harm's way. Yeah. All right. So they, they, like see the uh the concealment they they seem to be like you know they're cautiously optimistic about it but they they seem to want a bit more layer of security because like they see like one of the paper walls get hit with like uh like shrapnel from the dynamite and it just punches right through it I mean, so like they're they're a bit more confident making the trek but they still want some assurance Oh, okay. All right. Well, then I'm going to pass right back to Brian. Hey, um, I'm going to try to make another overcome using telepathy. So let's roll for this. Don't forget about your plus two. Ah, um, yeah, I did have that minus one. So would that cancel each other out to a plus one? It yep. does. Cool, thank you. Okay. My mid die for this is a five plus one. That is a six. And I'll take another All minor right. twist. Okay. Uh, so how do you help Blue? overcome the mindscape to remember who he, like, or, like, when it is, really. Hey, um, I guess, uh, I'm just gonna talk about events that have happened, like, over the last, uh, 30 years, like, bring up, uh, events in history, the names of certain bands and stuff like that, and just, you know, remind him of everything that's gone on in, uh, over the passage of time, <laughs> like, as rapidly as possible. Alright, so, John, what pop culture touchstone manages is to finally break through the simulation and let Lou remember who he is. 
I mean, I, I think it would probably be something about the liberation of Pacific City. Yeah. So, yeah, as Brian describes it, you suddenly begin to remember that this isn't how this went down. Like, yes, the Guerrillionaire and the Prospector, they did attack, but, like, you did fight back, and you, like, and people eventually did form into rebellion groups that overthrew Gilgamesh, or at the very least made sure that he wasn't the ruler of the city anymore, and slowly democracy kind of returned back to the area. It had missteps, and they're not, like, they had missteps, it obviously wasn't great out of the gate, but suddenly you remember all of these things, all of these events, both the good and bad of the liberation that happens, and as you kind of come to terms with it, you look, and uh, for you, it's, it's weird. It's both you realize that you have aged significantly, but at the same time, like, you don't feel like you've changed at all. You are Lou Rivers. You are first responder, as is and always will be. Well, numbers on a calendar aren't going to change that. Nope, but it sure does change my knees. Ah! Boo! <laughs> you're uh, back! What was it that jogged your memory? Was it was it when I talked about the Backstreet Boys? Yeah, yeah, Brian, it was the Backstreet Boys. Good job. Nice touch. I, so. knew, <laughs> I knew it. I knew Backstreet would be back. Yeah. Backstreet's back! And I, all right! <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm uh, changing back to sarcastic now. Okay. All right, uh, and Brian, who'd you let to pass to? Uh, who else needs to go this round? Uh, the environment, um, the uh, the enemies, and Quintess. Uh, first responder and Quintess. Um, I'll pass to the environment and just get this out of the way. All right, so the environment ticks up. You are now, everyone's in red. Oh, boy, oh. here we go. <laughs> um, and let's see, what's the environment going to do? Uh, so suddenly, all of you, like, like, you suddenly feel a shift. Like, you have managed to break this parasite's hold on one of its potential hosts, effectively. And you get the feeling that it is not pleased with this development. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, the uh, the fighting in the square starts becoming like significantly more frenetic. There's more explosions, more gunfire. Uh, the people uh, and you see this giant man, easily seven feet tall, come out from the side of the directoriate, and he starts wading into the fight mm. um, and seems to be trying to take the fight to the miners, once again causing the, uh, like, you know, the people under the fountain to take cover. Mm. Uh, and let's see. And I'm actually going to say that this escalation in fighting causes the scene tracker to tick up one more box. Dang. Dang. All right. Uh, and then they are going to pass to the enemies. Uh, the last of the Gorillians is going to try and attack the Morpho Mutt, and it ma he manages to take it out. Uh, or he manages to take out one. Mm. As he uses what's left, like, yeah, come on, you stupid dog! Uh, unfortunately, that leaves the two Morpho Mutts, one of which is going to attack him and kill them outright. Or, yeah, as you see this Mutt, like, it, the parts of it have fallen off enough that the Mutt is able to jump and clamp onto his throat and um well you proceed to hear a very sick gurgling noise as a man dies Oof. 
and the other two dogs are going to attack. Uh, they're going to attack Quintess because they look at this uh, weird. Oh, the other dog is going to attack Quintess as it kind of sees this weird thing. It doesn't quite understand, and it reacts the only way it knows how. Running through the hills. Uh, so that, Quintess. That, that, that's fair. Quintess, take four damage and a minus. Uh, two. Nope. Oh. Um, I react to defense. Uh, when an opponent attacks, you may become the target of that attack and defend roll your single close combat die. All right. All right, so that's a 12? Yeah, you you handily return to the scene and just straight up, like, slap, like, you basically shove that dog, like, almost through a car, basically, because they're moving so fast that prevents it from attacking Quintess. I always hated these things. <clears throat> and all of you now see uh, First Responder as you have seen him before. Hey, buddy, good to have you back. Yeah, all right, let's get this over with. All right, um, and that is the uh, enemy's turn, and the last person to go in this round is Quintess, I believe. All right, I'm going to take a look at the current statuses. Hmm. I am going to say at this point, since you kind of have everyone available, uh, does you do... Um, Brian, you figure with everyone together, you can probably, maybe with somebody's help, cast a spell to sever the connection uh, and get everyone out of here. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to do an overcome. Okay. Using principle of science. Um, I'm, I'm going to... Do we have, like, a, a, a task for that? Like... Oh, get out of here! One one box. Yes. Will that pull out the uh, the the civilians in danger? Or no? Do uh, you realize, Brian? Like you kind of theorize that in order for this to work, you've got to kind of be close together. The idea being that if you can kind of meld everyone's psychic presence together, it can't quite have as strong a hold on one person, and that allows you to sort of pull out. Huh. Okay, then I will grab it. I will grab people. Now that we've determined that dream that this place functions on dream logic. Quintess is going to like stick her hands out in either direction, and then like black spike, black tentacles are going to shoot out um, into like they they shoot out to either side of her, and then they like stop abruptly in midair as if they made contact with something, and then she closes her eyes and then pulls in both of them in as if she's like uh do like you know the weight machine with the where, where you pull yeah you're trying to do your like, uh, the clap she does like a fly and then she like pulls two of them. <laughs> into the scene. <laughs> <laughs> so you're trying to like, you're trying to fold space in order to get these people closer. Yes. All right. Like she doesn't, she might not get them like directly beside us, but she like is like yanking at, she like sticks her, she essentially sticks her fingers between the seams of this place and is like grabbed each person's hand and is now pulling them towards her. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, you do that and you do manage to close the distance. Unfortunately, um, even though this does work on dream logic, the brain still makes uncomfortable sensations real. And during this folding, your body kind of got caught in it a little bit. And although, like, you you feel this, like, intense discomfort uh, and in pain, uh, but eventually, like, you manage to, like, pop it back into existence. But that does mean you were still going to take uh, seven damage. <sighs> I felt worse. <laughs> I'm just going to keep pulling. Yep. All right. Uh, so it's the start of a new round. Quintess, who would you like to pass to? Um... Should we put Brian last or first? Oh, I mean... We probably should put him last, right? Because we need to grab us the civilians. I'll pass the first responder. All right, first responder, you're up. All right, um... Would you say that the, uh, getting the people out is a challenge that someone, that a younger person has already tried and failed at? Mm, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Because, uh, Vic clearly tried to get them out before, but it, it didn't quite stick a little bit. Did not work. Cool. Um, speed, banter, status die. Uh, principal of the mentor. 
All right. Wow, that's a really bad roll, and I still... But at least I maxed out my D8, so I get an 8 on that. Mm. All right. So that is a success with a... Nope, uh, that's perfect a full success. Su- full success. All right. So, yeah. Um, you zip through using the concealment created by... Uh, 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 Vic, sorry, uh, created by Vic. It allows you to zip through the battlefield without nary a scratch on you, though you don't think these guys could hit you even if they tried. You're going so fast. And you are getting ready. Like You show up, do the come with me if you want to live thing. Uh, but unfortunately, as you're leaving, um, the, the gri- like they, try, they both try and hold on to you in order to get out of here. Uh, but as you sort of take off, the grip of one of them kind of like, they lose their grip, and they're kind of behind some rubble, so they're not exposed, but they are still kind of like right in the middle between uh, like safety and their original hiding spot. But you managed to grab one of them out. All right. Um, I will pass to... Uh, does, uh, I'll, I'll pass back. All right. Just let Quintess do the rest of the big pull. All right, Quintess, what do you do? Big mm, pull? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I don't have any overcome skills. So I'll just use principle. Of, uh, I don't have any I I provable principles. I'm just going to roll normal overcome. All right. I'm, I'm going to use finesse and void. Okay. Mid die is a six. All right. So that is a success with a minor twist. Mm-hmm. Yep. Quintess just going to keep pulling until, until something comes out of these holes that she's created. All right. Uh, yeah. So you you reach into the hole, and almost as if the the void realizes, it kind of creates like a carpet to the, the other person, and then almost as if they're being moved along by a conveyor belt of like abstract shapes. They're kind of like zipped along uh, until eventually they're managed to be shoved out of the way of uh, of immediate danger. Uh, unfortunately, this void incident does not go unnoticed as the giant uh, Gilgaman in the middle of the the fray notices and says, I don't know who you are, but I'm taking you down. Men, focus fire! And uh, I'm not going to put down the number of minions that might be attacking you, but just say it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So is that damage? Is that an attack? Yeah, like what's happening? Uh, I'm going to say it is a, a hinder, as suddenly you guys are like pelted with machine gun fire, and the Gilgaman like, picks up like large boulders and starts hurling them towards you. Alright, what, uh, what hinder is that? <laughs> that is going to be a hinder on everyone, and is going to be a minus one. Okay. All right. As you are suddenly find yourselves under fire. I mean, I, I think if we just pass to Brian, we can get out. Yep. All he has to do is make a success. Okay. An yep. overcome check. Yep. Cool. Can't. I, I would say this counts as against a mystical force. Principle of magic. Let's go for it. All right. So, going to be with teleportation this time. My highest die is a seven minus one is a six i will uh if you want you can re-roll your dice pool how that's still a success i will say okay well if you don't think it's enough of a success you can re-roll your dice pool um what's allowing me to re-roll my dice pool my ability oh. uh when nearby ally may re-roll the dice pool you lose health equal to the min die of the new roll um okay do i can i use either or do i have to use the new one i think you have to use the new one on re-rolls um i'll do you think you'll be able to roll better i mean i have one D- 
and 2d8. I feel like my odds of rolling higher aren't great. I will take the twist okay. for the sake of getting everybody out of here safely. Okay. Oh, wait, why don't you just use a, a collection to negate the twist? Okay. Um, what collections do we have for zeros? I think we only have the one, which is like your introductory collection. Yeah. Okay. We should probably add another collection at some point. Oh, we yeah. Have played we, enough games. Enough. So basically anything from... from I, I think we would just do like a zeros and... Us. Yeah, zeros, zeros year two. The whole crossover episode with, with Pacific City Heroes was... Uh, oh, that was fun. Yeah. All right. But uh, yeah, you. so you're going to spend the collection, uh, your intro collection to negate the manor sure. twist? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Brian, you conjure up the sort of uh, the magical energy, uh, real like you uh, to you get everyone together. And in kind of this sort of psychic bubble that you've created of all of your presences, you're able to effectively, you astrally project out of your body. And then using your astral projection, you then do the telekinetic pull that you weren't able to do beforehand. Okay. And with uh, the, the sudden feeling as if you are waking up, like all of you suddenly come to as you are being like pulled backwards uh, towards the like outside of this train car. And eventually, like, all of you come tumbling out, uh, and, like, <laughs> you actually clip Vincent on the way. He was standing in front of the door. He's like, is everything up? Just tell a Frank Vincent explode <laughs> through his chest. Yeah, he'll bounce back from that. That's what I was going to say. It'll be fine. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, and, like, blinking your eyes, you are all back in the train yard as you hear the, the sounds of, you know, the, the night of Pacific City sort of going on. Ooh, that was... Some event. Blue, are you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. In there in the first place. Uh, I got a call from an old friend. Um, sorry, Harry. It's been a, it's been yeah. a, a, a uh, it's uh, Brent. And suddenly you remember the thing that you were trying to, that was like that thing bothering you. Brent died five years ago. Oh. <laughs> Blue, Brent's been dead five years. The whole time. Yeah. Hmm. I think I was lured here by a ghost. That makes sense. That is what... Wait. Does it? Like, like a real one? No, I, I mean, seemed real enough, but... How long were you in there? I don't know. What day is it? Uh, Current day. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, thanks, guys. You know, I'm just lying here. But yeah, all right. Vincent, like, gets up. But, uh, good to you're see fine. that you're all right. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's the 16th. And I'll say for sake of reference that it was the 16th when you got the call. So you realize you showed up here around sunset and now it's clearly, like, the evening. So oh. a couple hours? Uh, probably he'll take his watch. Eh, just a couple hours. Yeah, you guys weren't in there for too long. I mean, it's only been, like, I don't know, a minute when... Y'all entered. Really? Well, all right. At least that's one silver lining. At least we're all in one piece. And I'm gonna look around for the people that we brought back out with us, the other three. Yep. Uh, they're sort of like slowly coming to like, oh, oh my, whoa. It's what all right. was that? You have been the victim of a paranatural phenomenon. Now, I shall teleport you to your homes shortly so that you may rest and recuperate. Well, you say that, Brian, but then all of a sudden, you feel that sensation again. That something is wild watching you um, and you suddenly feel on your astral self like something sink in and it's trying to grab you not you but your astral self and i'll say because you negated the minor twist you are prepared for this so this doesn't catch you off guard but clearly this thing wants its fucking oh food. no not today 
Hey, bitch! And, uh, yeah, I'm gonna send it back to where it came from. All right. Um, roll me an overcome oh, check boy. for that. Okay. Uh, principle of magic, I think. Does apply, Thank yes. you. Okay. Uh, and... Okay, that is a nine. Okay. So, with... So, I want to ask you, how do you deal with this thing? Um, yeah, I... Cr- yeah, my eyes glare blue and begin glowing with bluish-white light as I conjure up dozens of massive telekinetic hands that just grab this thing from all sides, and as I begin to squeeze it with these hands, multiple circles appear on the ground, and then with a flourish, um, light erupts from the sigil that I've uh, conjured up underneath it. It is engulfed by a pillar of light, and when the light fades, it is completely gone. Alright, so on the astral plane, all of this happens. It's like, cool looking, incredibly powerful demonstration of magic. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, Brian just kind of stopped talking for a second and is now just kind of staring off into space with his arm held yeah. up. Uh, alright. Um, and then he's back. Oh, uh, yeah. Problem solved, everyone! That thing is gone! Hopefully for good. Right. Um, it, what yeah. was it? it? Well, uh, I shall read my tomes later tonight, see if I can put a name to this sort of creature. But now all we need to worry about is that it is not going to be bothering us any further. Uh, does that mean we gotta actually move this thing out of the yard um says uh one of the uh the rail workers i do believe that i, I could get rid of it if you want uh they all kind of look at each other C- could you do that for us and we i mean i'm sure you dealt with it you all seem like you know what you're doing but you know if we don't gotta touch it that'd be nice uh all right quintess is going to so did, did brian want to like examine it or, or can i like get um, rid of it yeah uh brian sort of steps aside and gestures as if to say go right ahead May I make a suggestion, Jerry? <laughs> you should just teleport it into your subway station. <laughs> Do you want to hold on to this? Clearly not. Maybe not haunted any more train car? Nah. Um, uh, Quintess, like, makes, like, a circle with her, like, puts her two hands together into, like, a circle and then, like, extends it outward. Um, and then, like, a circle, like, kind of draws itself underneath the, uh, uh, underneath the train car. And then Quintess, as Quintess's hands, like, extend out, uh, once she fully extends them, she slaps her two hands together. Um, and, like, like as if, like, a Pac-Man style mouth appears, it just, like, closes and slaps the compresses the the thing together and then just slowly slides down into the ground leaving nothing all of the like the the cons- like the the rail yard workers like they're looking and then they just start like a like a like a very soft clapping like cool yeah cool <laughs> Well, uh, lesson learned, everyone. Best way to solve spooky shit, more spooky shit. (laughs) That's the truth. I know I can count on you guys for this. Speaking of, uh, who wants a drink on me? I, uh, know a guy around here. Of course you do. Yeah? Actually, speaking of drinks, uh, I I had something I wanted to ask you on behalf of my roommate, but we can talk about it. (laughs) Oh, really? Sure. Anybody else? Ryan? Lou? Yeah, I... I could go for a I drink. I shall text my wife and inform her that it is taking a little longer than anticipated. Yeah. Uh, Quintess, don't worry about a uh, disguise or nothing. They're cool. They're like Geo. Oh, okay. Well, I'd like to try drinking again. That's the spirit. Oh, Quintess doesn't mean alcohol. She just means liquid. Yeah, absolutely. She she's trying to find something that she can she can like taste. Yeah, but yeah, as you guys sort of uh, make your way off into the night, uh, that brings an end to this uh, particular tale. I hope all. All of you have had a wonderful time and i hope everybody uh, listening has a safe and happy halloween uh thanks for listening and good night everyone happy halloween hey everyone thanks for listening 
You can find us on Tumblr at listentothesenerds.tumblr.com or on Twitter at LTTNCast. All our music is sourced from Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listentothesenerds at gmail.com.